Welcome to Guys We Fucked. <laughs> guys We Fucked. Guys We Fucked. I'm Christina. I'm Corinne. We're sorry, sorry about, about last, last night. night. The anti slut shaming podcast. <laughs> I never stop. <laughs> Hello, fuckers. Welcome to another episode of Guys We Fucked. It's the Anti-Slut-Shaming Podcast. I'm Corinne. I'm Christina. And this week, you might have heard we uh, tweeted it out, which is, you know, that's how information is passed. Oh, yeah. No matter how important. Um, The passing of a friend of ours, a mentor, a wonderful comedian, and a former guest of the Guys We Fucked podcast, Kevin Meany. Mm. Uh, he was wonderful. If you haven't listened to his episode, please check it out. Probably the funniest comedian I've ever yeah had the privilege of watching and live. We've been saying that for a long time. It's yeah. not a it's not one of those. <laughs> We're not just died. saying it because he died. He died. So he was the nicest person I've ever. No, like he was legitimately the funniest human being I I think I've ever had the privilege of watching perform. Yeah, he's like uh, there's a saying like you can't follow him if you're a comedian. And Never. He, he is someone who. If I ever had to follow this person, I'd be like, you know what? I'm just going to quit comedy today. Oh, yeah. There's just no point. <laughs> Standing ovations. Uh, I think he's someone who like made an impact on every uh, comedian that he worked with. And he was wonderful. He he passed away. Unfortunately, he was only 60. But I loved Kevin because that was the first comedian that I met that made my mom excited. Oh, really? Yeah, because if I love some meanie, like Kevin Meanie was a part of my life for my whole life, and I didn't know it. Oh, because my he has the song "I Don't Care," I yeah. Don't Care, like, and my mom would always sing that in the house beca- oh. to make fun of me, and I, you know, because I don't care. <laughs> and so you just thought that was about you? Well, no, I knew it was, she was getting it from somewhere, but my my family has so many sayings and songs and things that they they would share that I never knew where it was coming from. And it kind of came full circle when I finally met and had the opportunity to work with Kevin because I was like, holy shit, you're the, I don't, this is- That's the guy. I've been not caring for a lifetime. And I didn't know that it was all did thanks you, to did you. Did you ever tell him that? Uh, I think I did because I Aww. meet, that was when we were- when Christine and I were doing our uh, Brooklyn Winery show. Oh, that he was on. And I was so honored he said yes to that. Yeah, because a lot of people think Sorry About Last Night like did not exist before the Guys We Fucked podcast. We but did. we did. We've been toiling away for a while. We've been working so hard. Yeah, and on our very first show that we did at, at Brooklyn Winery, Kevin Meany was a guest on the very first show. Yeah, right? it was Kevin Meany, Hannibal Burris. Yeah, wow, uh, what a lineup. Jesus. Right? <laughs> I'm like, shit, how do we get all these people? And it was so exciting. People were like driving in from other uh, other states to watch this show. My mom mom made it in yeah. because this is like you know there's something when like the first comedian that like impresses your family like yep. when they're kind of like not is into what you're into like always supportive but like you know they're not like comedy nerds they're not like really really love dick jokes right and, and so <laughs> when i when we got kevin meany to perform i was like yes yeah i was like my mom knows kevin meany my dad knows kevin meany my grandparents know kevin meany i was like this is gonna be great yeah and really impress everybody <laughs> and then he turned out yeah we we ended up working together so many times we uh <laughs> paula she had some like rich boss who was a member of a country club in New Jersey, right by Beyonce's New Jersey home, actually. Oh. And um, <laughs> and he was like, yeah, my country club really wants a dirty comedy night. They oh. just want to they want a dirty comedy night. Who are you going to call? And what I learned, what I learned after this was that when someone says they want their their the place that they're a member of wants a dirty comedy night. 
that place doesn't want a dirty comedy oh. night. That guy wants a dirty oh. comedy <laughs> night. I learned that the hard way. He wants to watch his relatives and friends squirm yeah. as you tell a tale of analingus. So I had no idea to pick. So it ended up being me, uh, Ryan Rose, uh, Ryan Reese hosting, who's also been on the show, me featuring, and then Kevin Meany headlining. <laughs> So we all get into this car Aww. and we go and as soon you know and it's and it, the, the country club was great. I mean we're we're in there eating shrimp Hell just yeah. by the handful. So country club of me you. and Kevin went went crazy on some cocktail shrimp. <laughs> like we went crazy cocktail shrimp and like martinis. We were just Yo, going nuts. and that shit was all free, right? Yeah, yeah. Put it in your purse. And I love that he was like a headliner, a known person, but like not too cool to go crazy on the cocktail shrimp. Yeah. Like, that's a good person. That's Kevin Meany. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so Ryan gets on stage to open the show, quote, dirty, you know, room full of rich Jews. There's like, you know, sh- there's like Schweppes. And I don't even know if Schweppes is, uh, it's a soda Jewish, but there was like Schweppes money in there. Cause you know, sometimes people marry non-Jews. There's <gasps> a lot of money in that room. That's not okay. Like na- brands that, you know, right. And so Ryan starts real dirty and immediately, like, we Bonk. know that it's not. This is not what they wanted. We know it was one guy's wish. This is, yeah, no one wanted a dirty show. So Ryan goes up, it's silence. And I'm like, like, oh, what am I going to say? Yeah. Oh, fuck. I'm sitting next to Kevin clean. in the back, like, freaking out. And he's like, it's going to be fine. You're going to be great. <laughs> Says you, Kevin Meany. <laughs> and so Ryan, you know, goes up and then he comes back. He's like, Jesus, that was tough. I go up, bomb for 20 minutes, just like you saying, <laughs> 20. saying cunt for to silence, you know, dead faces. <laughs> See, guys, comedy's a lot of work and it's a lot of ups and downs. And then <laughs> I feel like we've we've trapped everyone. I feel like we are ISIS holding an entire <laughs> Jewish country club hostage <laughs> and then and then and, and, and kevin unfazed the entire time i mean he's been in the business so long i i, I guess yet yeah, at, at some point you just don't don't care, care. You, you you don't care you anymore. really don't care and then and then i'm just like oh my god i'm so embarrassed i'm like brought someone who i loved to headline this show i was so happy that i could oh, book him and no. now i'm just gonna make his night miserable fucking kevin goes on yeah just like Make immediately like roasting everyone in the audience <laughs> for being a, a, a fucking for self-absorbed tight asshole, pussy loser bitches. Did they like it? I mean, that's not the terminology he used, but it was not far from that. And goes on to like win over within a matter of moments the entire audience. And like rich Jews, not an easy, you Crown. know, Jews great, but like rich stuffy Jews, that's a little different. <laughs> Jews as a people were great, but you know, sometimes uh, you give them a little money and they get real carried away. Yeah. I mean, these were, you know, these weren't rule falling Jews. Jews, they're eating shrimp, you know? Oh yeah. Shellfish. (laughs) They're going to go to hell or something. But he goes, he wins them over within a matter of moments by making fun of them and then just goes on to destroy. Of course. For like 45 minutes. Damn. Just no, no, no breathing. He's, singing songs he's doing he's doing act outs i'm out of breath watching him like and this but this but the thing was like this was this was every fucking time whether it was a tiny show he's done nacho bitches he yelled at my brother for going to the bathroom during his set i mean (laughs) screaming just manic madness but like you couldn't look away and And he's very much a that's how it's done you watch him and you're like fuck yeah you you know someone's good when you watch their set and you enjoy it but then you consider quitting your dream oh yeah 
That's, that's a sign of a great that's legend. Kevin, Kevin Meany. Every time I watched him, he made me want to quit my dream. <laughs> but like in a great way. <laughs> in a great so way. Good. Yeah. My favorite Kevin lines. Gay, 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 gay. So funny. I listened back to his episode last night because it was right after we got back from the wake. Yeah. And uh, and there was he ta- I forgot. This was like a long time ago, but he told he has the craziest fucking stories. Yeah. He was dating who was then his, who was now his ex-wife, but then he broke up with her after a year and then married someone in Vegas and he's, then annulled it. He's but like never really met her. Of comedy. And he had to like find her to divorce her. To oh, annul that's her. right. Oh my God. That, that <laughs> that's actually what you so... said. You're like Britney Spears of comedy, Kevin. Oh gosh. She, well, I am. I am. I am. You me. are who you are. It was me, guys. I'm not an <laughs> imposter. Uh, that's so funny. Yeah. He, oh my gosh. Yeah. So everybody go check out, look him up, look up one of his clips. You will, your life will be brighter for it. Yeah. That's, I feel like not enough young people know about him and ugh, gosh. And his also his albums on Spotify too. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Big pants people uh, on Spotify. I was listening to it all weekend and just like, ha- I had to just stop and like laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Which so is what funny. you do when, when, a, when a good comedy album comes on. Oh yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, this episode, I'm, sh- I'm sure that's what he would have wanted an episode of guys. We fucked, but you know, we can only honor you so much, Kev. Kevin, we can only do what we could do. <laughs> this episode about us talking about our pussies is dedicated to you. To you. And there's no one who, uh, would appreciate it more. I'm sure. <laughs> so that's true. As someone who doesn't like pussy, <laughs> you would love this episode about pussy. I oh, love you, Kevin. Um, Oh, man, that sucks. That's fucking death is not. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. I don't like it. It's very permanent. It's it is very it is. It is just a fucking punch in the gut and being like, nope, no more. Oh, my God. I can't deal with death. I don't care. I don't care. My jokes don't go over. I don't care. Everybody. I don't care. I don't. He does not care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't, he doesn't care. I don't care. Just I'm happy, loved being on the road with him, here. doing these crazy small towns. I remember we were in northeast Pennsylvania, Starlight Lake. And during his performance, Kevin was doing one of his classic pew, 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 uh, you know, air pistol moves. And someone in the audience, this is a very, you know, there are monster trucks in the parking lot. And there are people with firearms, you know, and he does a pew, pew, and this guy in the audience is like, hey, watch your back. You know, someone might come up behind you in the parking lot after the show and fuck you up. And the audience gasps because this happens all the time in this town, apparently. And Kevin's like, walk up behind me and fuck me up. How do you know I won't like that? And the audience just busts out laughing. He was just fucking fearless. I love Kevin Meany. Kevin's comedy in general was fun and for the most part family friendly. Uh, but in person, he was incredibly dark. I was I was at a casino with him. I brought my mom and my friend. And there was a big group of drunk girls in the front row. And they were screaming through his show. And one of them started screaming at him that she wanted the his opener to come back on stage and for him to leave. And he said, in like a 200-person room, he goes, oh, did you drive here tonight? And she goes, yeah. And he said, I hope you fucking get in a car crash and die on the way home. (laughs) The room got so strange. Oh, and then he said to to follow him on his Twitter page at hashtag go fuck yourself. (laughs) 
out Hank Mancini. Here comes Eeny Meeny. I don't care. One more time. No! I don't care. We hate you. I don't care. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Bing, bing, bing. This is stupid. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just don't know how to transition into the next promotional thing we're going to do from We Love You, Kevin B. Oh, I mean, Kevin would have thought this was the funniest thing. He'd be Kevin, like, I'm trying. He'd be like, I'm dead. And <laughs> if you want bonus episodes <laughs> of Guys We Fuck. So, so there are a website is sorry about last night, comedy.com. <laughs> and uh, on there, there's a link to our Howl page where you could get bonus episodes of this podcast that Corinne and I record uh, twice a month. Uh, just subscribe. Uh, go to that. Go to our webpage and click on that link. And then we can like credit for it. You can also get merch. And then we're going on tour. And we've been spouting out these tour dates all day and all night on this podcast. And we know that Joe Schmo at his desk really doesn't want to hear it again. So uh, that's not why we're doing this. We're just uh, trying to be Kurt. Go to our website and check out all of our tour dates. November 2nd through the 20th. We're so fucking excited to go on tour. We can't wait to see all of you guys. Shows are really close to selling out. So uh, a lot of them are sold out already. So get your tickets now because there's a lot of sad people in San Francisco emailing us saying they want tickets. So get them now before they sell out. So you don't have to do that. And we'll see you there. We're so excited. Absolutely. And if you want to come see us live in New York City uh, today, Friday, October 28th at 11 o'clock, I'll be doing the Halloween uh, edition of Nacho Bitches with Blair Saki at New York Comedy Club. Uh, this is almost sold out right now when I'm recording this. So hopefully there's so or hopefully there's not tickets left actually. But yeah, check out the website. Uh, it's $10 with code Nacho. New York Comedy Club is East 24th Street uh, between 2nd and 3rd Avenues. It's going to be fun. Wear costumes. We're going to eat candy. We're going to drink drinks and it's 16 and up. See you there. And then the next day, if you haven't already had enough from Nacho Bitches, uh, Saturday, October 29th at 7.30 p.m. It's nice and early so we can all go out and get fuck-faced afterwards. Uh, is the Halloween edition of Glamour Plus, co-hosted by myself and comedian Wendy Starling. It's at Zinc Bar, 82 West 3rd Street. Tickets are 15 bucks. The link to the tickets is in the description of this podcast. Uh, and- we got a lot of crazy shit planned for you, and we're very excited. But you got to be 21 to enjoy it. It's not my rules. It's the owner's rules. Love you. (laughs) And then uh, the following week, we're actually doing Nacho Bitches again, two weeks in a row on Saturday, November 5th. We're doing an early edition of Nacho Bitches at 7 p.m. at New York Comedy Club. Same great show, early time. So if Nacho Bitches is usually too late for you, yay, it's early and it's also on a Saturday because I'm going to be on tour the other days and we can't do it any other day. So 7 p.m. Tickets are still $10 with code Nacho. Nacho Bitches, Saturday, November 5th. Thank you. Uh, Have a great day. uh. Uh-uh-uh. Adele, a word from our sponsors. <laughs> Beautiful. I'm doing all the voices for that guy who emailed me saying he hated my voices. Oh, thank you. Yes. Excellent for you. Today's episode is brought to you by Distilled Denim. Distilled has revolutionized the fashion industry by creating timeless luxury grade denim. So you get jeans that would cost you hundreds of dollars starting at just $65. What? Yes. And Christine and I have these jeans. We have actually the same exact pair and the same exact <laughs> I know. size. Our butts are similar. We've worn each other's uh, jeans. Uh, it's great. Um, and uh, how do they do it? By refusing to work with department stores and retail middlemen. There's 
no markup, no bullshit. I mean, like that. Just great jeans at an unbelievable price. They're really comfy. Uh, we have the black ripped jeans in a soft denim. They make your butt look oh, good. So comfortable. Super comfy. I've worn them a bunch of times. They don't even smell yet. I don't know if that's a part of the selling uh, factor, but you oh, know me. Supposed to smell. Oh, some of my jeans smell too. What the fuck is well, up I mean, with that? Like, yeah. So you wear them a lot of times. You know, you know me. I don't I wear don't... underwear, much to my oh. mother's chagrin. So, you know, everything's <laughs> fine. It's distilled. You don't even need underwear. It's great. Uh, distilled is the only place in the U.S. you can get the weight of this denim for the price point. And with the natural indigo look, they're going to fade beautifully and last for years. Mm. So just go to distilled.com, which is D-S-T-L-D.com slash G-W-F right now. And you get $10 off your first pair. That's D-S-T-L-D.com slash G-W-F for $10 off. Distilled. Fuck vowels. <laughs> Nice. Perfect. Nailed it. I'm going to read a quick email before we get to the interview. The subject of this email, please help me to understand how to help her through this. My girlfriend has been pregnant. We knew for a very short period of time, just a week and a couple days, we were both ecstatic. And then today she woke up and had started to miscarry. I know nothing is going to help her out of this, but through talking about it, she has mentioned a previous miscarriage and how she is worried she cannot have kids. She has a child from a previous relationship, and I will be fine with helping to raise him, never never being able to have a chi- uh, children of my own. But she wants a big family, and I just don't know enough about a woman's perspective to really be able to know how to help her. I feel at a loss here. I don't want her to feel like her dreams of having a family are crushed. And I don't want her to feel like less of a woman. If you ladies have any input at all, it would be so greatly appreciated. So I really been wanting to read this email for quite some time because I had a job back in the day, like a couple years and years ago. (laughs) And I remember uh, one of the people I worked with had a miscarriage and she was devastated. Mm -hmm. And I and I, of course, I I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. That's horrible. And then um, we kind of did some research and miscarriages are extremely, extremely common. And I'm, and I think this is one of these things that because no one talks about it, everyone thinks it doesn't happen as often as it does. So Mm -hmm. they carry this weight of, is there something wrong with my body? Is there something wrong with my sperm? Is there something wrong? You know, what, what could the, you know, what is the reasoning? And so I, I got some of the stats. There's a really great Huffington Post article that, um, goes over uh, miscarriage. And then they quote uh, a bunch of stats from medlineplus.gov. And it says around half of all fertilized eggs die and are lost uh, spontaneously. Spontaneous. Sponta- Spontaneously. <laughs> yeah, right? I can't read out loud. Usually, uh, the sp- yeah, usually before the woman knows she's pregnant. Among women who know they are pregnant, 15 to 20 out of every 100 will have a miscarriage. Most miscarriages occur during the first seven weeks of pregnancy, and the rate of miscarriage drops after the baby's heart rate rate is detected. Uh, According to the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, roughly 60% of miscarriages occur when an embryo has an abnormal amount of chromosomes during fertilization, a problem that happens by chance, not as a result of anything the parents did. Doctors are unlikely to test a woman until she has had several miscarriages, and in 50 to 75% of women who miscarry repeatedly, doctors are unable to find a cause. So, well, that's fucked up. That's, I don't, we still don't know a lot of things about women's bodies still. And I don't know, maybe we will one day, maybe we won't. But um, the point in in talking about this is miscarriage, miscarriages are very common. I think mm-hmm. so many, almost everyone I know 
who has had a child has had miscarriages. A lot of people I know have had children mm-hmm. have had several miscarriages. And I feel like it's got to be so I've never been pregnant. So, uh, and, uh, but if I, I can't imagine what I would feel during that situation, but it would probably be some sads, yeah. some really sad feelings. And so, but I think it's really important for women to know and for men to know that this is really common. It's not indicative of anything you guys are doing wrong. Uh, it certainly can be from things like drinking coffee, drinking alcohol, smoking a cigarette. It could be so many reasons why a woman miscarries, but uh, most of them are just, it's an abnormal chromosome. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's not, if you're it's out of doing their- everything right and doing everything healthy for the baby, there's no reason that you should feel any guilt or like you are less of a woman. Yeah. Uh, and, actually, and I get yeah. that feel. I get yeah. that feeling. I, I because I, I thought about like, oh, what's going to happen the day that I want to have kids or mm-hmm. or whatever. And I'm just like, what if I can't? And then I automatically went to, I'm not, I'm less of a woman if I can't. No, that's not true at all. Mm-mm. But but the the conversation I had years and years ago at work when the one woman uh, had a miscarriage, we talked to all these women in the office and they all, they all had miscarriages. Right. And it's it's crazy. I, I was kind of really astounded because I know that, Oh, miscarriages equal heartache and hardship. And they do. But I thought it was because they don't happen that often. But they do. They happen very often. Mm-hmm. So I, no, just I mean, think- it just happens because you're excited to have a baby and you think you're pregnant. You think you're carrying life. And then all of a sudden, I mean, basically, like you feel like something has died inside you. I mean, yeah. that's, that's some deep shit. Yeah, that's some deep shit. So. So, yeah, I think knowing the fact that it's common will probably help. Uh, your your lady. Yeah, and being supportive. I mean, I actually had, a, there was a miscarriage in my family and I mean, rumor has it that her husband wasn't too nice about it. So I can't, I can't even imagine. Oh, really? I mean, because her I think- Her husband wasn't nice? Yeah, I mean, I think because the same way sometimes a woman feels like she is not, uh, you know, a, a 100% a woman if she miscarries, I think sometimes, uh, you know, a feeling like that can come out in anger, especially from men who show emotions uh, in anger a lot. And, uh, you know, like it was somehow her fault yeah. because, you know, you're it's just the way the mom is like given more credit when the baby is due. Sometimes if anything happens during the pregnancy is faulted more also just because she's like housing the baby. Um, so just, yeah, be supportive, be there for her, understand and just let her know that, you know, you'll do whatever you can to help her. But that you, you love her just the same it doesn't, you know, make her any less. She's still beautiful and wonderful and an amazing mom to the child that she already have. Yeah, has, of course. And yeah, my mom miscarried several times between my brother and I. because My brother and I are eight years apart. Right. I'm the youngest. And she thought she couldn't have any more kids. And then and then here I am. World. Hello. Aren't you glad I'm here? <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah. So just wanted to put that out there because this is one of the many issues that doesn't get talked about enough. Like female hair loss and all the females that are experiencing hair loss feel like they're the only one, but you're not. Oh, my God. We've, we've gotten so many. If you think you're the if you have alopecia or anything else that's making you lose your hair and you're a woman and you think you're the only holy shit. You are not. Our inbox was flooded. I and, was like, all right. Yeah. And, and I <laughs> forwarded them. for everyone. And just so you guys know, so wrote in, I forwarded them to the to the woman who wrote us just so that she, you know. Yeah. She gets some insight. Um, OK, well, our guest today Oof. is. Yeah. A so, lawyer. Is a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know where to begin. Honestly. I, was, I don't want to give just, away too much, but no. I know that domestic violence is a topic that you and I have wanted, been wanting to talk about for a really long time. Yes, absolutely. And we had perhaps one of the most... <laughs> I, 
explode like just fascinating and and heartbreaking and uh, like it's a it, bad story but it's a good it's story a, yeah yeah a bad story told well <laughs> yeah well very well she's <laughs> this woman is fucking amazing at, at uh, telling stories and uh and it has a good ending and a good lesson and it's honestly one of my favorite oh, interviews we have ever done ever in our lives i was it's, on the edge of my seat it's great it's like a it's like a it's like a lifetime movie but but like less sappy yeah like new lifetime yeah so so we get into those topics of domestic violence and a lot of other shit and i'm so happy that we were able to sit down with her and talk to her um ladies and gentlemen please welcome to the podcast ashley she went back to the guy that beat her who publicly called her his whore if he came within five feet of me there'd be a price on his head for sure i'd use a fucking hammer on his face Yes, I would do that for her. I would buy, kick, stab, and brawl. Then he'd be out her life forever. I feel bad for you, sugar cane. You really think you deserve to be treated this way? Yeah, fuck what your mother taught you. You're worth more than you could dream to think. I know, guys, shut up. Thank you. So, boy, I have so many questions, but let's start from the very beginning. What was your childhood like? Um, you know, I grew up in a fantastic family. It was just me. I'm an only child. Um, How old are you? I am 30 now. Hell <laughs> just yeah. Just turned 30. 30 Yay. looks good on you, girl. Thank you. <laughs> um, it was just, you know, it was a it was a really great, like, I couldn't have asked for better parents. I couldn't have asked for a lot of um, those things. But there were some, obviously, some things that I went through when I was probably about six years old. Um, my, the gardener that was working for us actually set fire to our house. Oh, nice. Yeah. So. Why uh, he do that? You know, I've asked myself <laughs> that a lot. I think that there's just some people that just are weird and crazy and was he mad that yeah, I was like, did he feel like he wasn't getting paid enough or respected so or the, the the thought was that he was upset that we were going to be moving soon but they never could find out because arson is really hard to prove oh so he never actually was held accountable for it but when what happened was we were um we were supposed to be home but we were away and when we came back we had a uh, letter on our door from the fire department saying hey we were here and uh your house kind of burned down. <laughs> Call us if you want any information. What? LOL. Yeah, right. So wow. um, I just, you know, we walked in and, you know, my parents tried to get me out of there right away because it's not something that you want to have a child seeing. Um, the whole house burned down? Um, so it was really close to combustion, but it Ooh. didn't. Uh, so my room had the worst. So I have nothing from childhood. Everything that I had, you know, that... Like baby toys, shoes, things like that, gone. Oh. Um, they basically just put a big hole in my wall uh, going outside and just shoveled all of my stuff outside. Oh my God. Um, oh. On the opposite side of the house was a kitchen and it was so hot that the um, hinges uh, melted. Shit. So um, when we came back, it, it took 
it took a really long time to, you know, get everything, get the insurance done, get everything, get the house back. Um, we obviously didn't move because you can't really sell a yeah, burnt down house. You can't sell a skeleton of a house <laughs> that's not. charcoal. Um, so yeah, no, that was, that was. How'd uh, you find out the, the, guard yeah, like, did it, the gardener? You know, the, uh, so my parents ended up kind of speaking to the authorities when, you know, when they thought that it was arson because, you know, a lot of the, the fire department generally says like what it is and they started looking into it. Right. And, um, it was, that was their, ba- their best theory. Um, the, the police that were working on it, um, but they couldn't prove anything. Apparently this, this individual, uh, had a history of arson. Um, <laughs> and did that, did your guard, did they, were they able to look into the gardener's record to see if yeah i mean he had he had had a, a history so oh, he's a the juvenile. guy did oh okay, yes, the gardener okay, had a history it. i thought that was a fire department's like no, i no, feel no, like no. he's done this before no. he's really good at it <laughs> yeah he really hit his tracks well um no they they put two and two together they kind of looked into his history he had had a history of like criminal behavior and arson and things like that um and so they thought that that was the most likely scenario um and they apparently there had been some talk that he was upset that we were moving so but you said he was a juvenile when he was gardening or? Yes. Yeah. He was 16, I believe. Oh. oh, wow. What a good gardener. 16. Damn. Wow. But shitty gardener. Cause then he, yeah, no bad, house. bad gardener. Fuck. And then, so that never got proven. No. Damn it. Damn it. Damn. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's a really, I would imagine very scarring. It was thing yeah. at six. I, I forget what I comprehended at six and what I didn't No, that's So, it was really hard. I thought that every time I left, I would come back to a burnt house. So, you know, I never wanted to go on um, sleepovers. Like I was always very like afraid of doing something because I always felt like leaving, I would come back and um, there would be, you know, my house would be burnt down. Also, I used to keep a um, backpack of all the things that I would need in case a fire happened oh. again to, to quickly grab it. So like I kept, instead of my favorite, you know, stuffed toy being with me in bed, I kept it in this like little bag so that if I, if something happened that I could just grab it and run. Yeah. So I, I mean, had that for a lot of years. My parents actually didn't, didn't know that until maybe like two or three years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Were they we like, oh shit, I totally would have sent you to therapy. Yes, in Ugh. fact, <laughs> <they're> <laughs> like, maybe, maybe it affected you a little more than we thought. <laughs> right. Okay. So that's, that was a bummer. Did they, in terms of then when you grew into like a teenager and came into your adolescence, like what, did you get any sort of sex talk from your parents? Were they, what, how open were your parents with you about that kind of stuff? Um, you know, I think that I was less open than they were about it. Like I was a little bit more awkward. Uh, um, they were pretty, you know, open with me about everything. I, I, I hadn't, I had like a steady boyfriend for a while and we'll probably get into that later because he's an interesting person. Oh, he um, was the not nice person. He was the not nice when person. When did you start dating him? I was about 16, I think. Oh, mm-hmm. you okay. So you were pretty young. Yeah. Um, it was my first boyfriend. Um, we dated for probably about two years. Um, and you mean at school, I'm assuming you met? No, we actually, we went to different schools. Oh. Yeah, we did. We met through a friend. Um, and, you know, he was a basketball player, he was a cheerleader, he was, 
you know, picturesque yearbook photo. So fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, he was, he, he seemed, I mean, there were, there were probably some warning signs that I could have seen, but as a 16 year old, you don't even see those things. Like he was always calling to find out where I was, like keeping tabs on where I was, you know, very much like he needed to know where I was, you know, things like that. Controlling. A, lot, a little bit. But at the time I was like, oh, he loves me so much, you know. He just like, really wants he my really coordinates. He really wants to know where I am all the time. What's he this just, tracking device? Oh. Yeah, right? Um, <laughs> Did your mom, I, obviously he would have had to call your house, right? Because you didn't have a cell phone. So or she, I might have had a cell phone when I was 16, actually. I did. It was. Yeah. I, we used to play that. You remember that game where snake. you like snake? Yes, I love snake. I'm <laughs> love Nokia. snake. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I know. My mom later told me that she had some concerns, but you know, she was like, "If I had told you then, you you know, it wouldn't have done anything. You would have stayed with him. You know, you're you would have said exactly what you thought." Which Fuck was, you, mom. You don't know love. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I know she she never told me she didn't like him, but I always knew that she kind of didn't like him. Yeah. You always kind of know. Yeah. You get a vibe and then you're like, I'm just going to ignore this because I'm just being polite. Yeah. yeah you, you, should, you know, oh, maybe, maybe stay home this weekend. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, so, yeah, but we probably dated for about two years and there was a lot of things that I didn't, you know, looking back now having gone to many, many therapists, like I could probably do therapy now. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, looking back, there were so many things that I probably should have seen as being warning signs that you just, I guess you make excuses for when you're in the middle of it. Um, you know, it started out with simple things like we would be horsing around, um, just playing or something. And he was a lot bigger than me. So I'm quite small. I'm like wrestling. Right. Like just like playing, like, yeah. Like, Thing, something that might lead into foreplay kind of playing or just like kind of yeah because I used to do that with one guy right um he was about well he was probably six three and I'm very tiny I'm like yeah. maybe 100 pounds so um and he was like 220 pounds so Jesus. it's a lot bigger than me and um you know I, I remember the first time we were playing and I don't remember what happened, but there's such force that he ended up hitting me in the eye and I ended up getting kind of a black eye. And at the time I was like, oh, we were just playing around playing, you know, and, and, right. and then, it, but then you with know, his looking, fist or with- right. Then looking around, looking back, I was like, you know, how, why was anyone using that much force where I would be getting like a black, black eye from something like yeah. that? Um, and then just, it kind of, kind of progressed from that. So, um, you know, I would say, that I didn't, you know, he was my first time. So mm-hmm. he was the, the first person I ever had sex with. And it got to the point where like, you know, he would kind of hold me down when I would say no and try to, and like force himself on me. And then- Shit. What would you do in that moment? I, you know, at the time I was just like, you know, I should be, I should be wanting this. Like I'm his girlfriend. Like mm-hmm. why, you know, maybe you know, what am I, like what am I'm wrong in this, in this situation. And it becomes so twisted because the type of people who do this thing is this stuff to you make you feel that way. You know, they make, they turn the stuff around. That's how, that's how the control and the manipulation happens. Yeah. They say to you, like, you, why don't you love me? Like, you're my girlfriend. You should be wanting to have sex with me. Like you should be wanting to do this stuff. And then you, you it, you become, you start to feel like you're the person at fault instead of yeah. them. And and 16 too. I know Corinne, you're, you were very confident pretty much throughout your entire life. But I remember like my, when I was 16, I was when I had my, or I think I might've been 50 when I had my first boyfriend who he cheated on me the majority of the time, but he, he didn't do anything like abusive, but I was so naive, so much more naive than I am now. And I'm pretty naive now. And my <laughs> self-esteem was just, it was being formed. So I didn't know 
I would, I don't think I've ever stood up for myself when I was like early teens. Cause I just didn't, I felt bad or I didn't know how or no, something. You, you, and you don't, and you're learning relationships from your first relationship, right? So you're figuring everything out. You're figuring yourself out. You're like changing. And you're like, wow, I have a boyfriend. Right. That's so crazy. And it's like a Tamagotchi, but it's a boy. Well, it also depends on like your parents. So, I mean, I think a lot of the reason I'm like super confident is because my mom like doesn't take shit. Like I'm talking about like not from like a clerk at the post office, <laughs> right. like not from anybody. So, yeah. I mean, you kind of just, you're just your parental uh, mimicking figures. what you have seen. Right. That's true. My mom was not like that at all. She was more weak willed for sure. And she was going through depression when I was younger. Right. So, there was no strength in her. Did you? No, you know what? My mom was a really strong person, but I think that I didn't understand myself then. You yeah. know what I mean? I think that, so I, I changed schools a lot and I didn't have like a core set of friends. And I think that that really hurt me because I was always trying to like fit in. Um, it's like the biggest goal in high school a lot right. of the times. And, um, and so I think I didn't know me. You know, yeah. and to be honest, like, I think I'm still figuring me out. <laughs> I don't Most think people are. Don't we, think are. we all are. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, I'm still I'm divorced now. Um, and I still think I'm trying to figure out like what I want. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of people that's life is just a learning. And just as you go and as these as stuff happens to you, you you take it and put it on your shelf of like, OK, this is a lesson I learned mm -hmm. and develop more of a self-awareness ideally. Right. But that's not easy. I think the worst thing for me, um, coming out of that relationship and uh, we'll go back into that, but is that, you know, that was kind of my first real, um, experience with like love and interaction with a, uh, with a boy, like real interaction. Yeah. Like so meaningful. it sets the stage, that first right. relationship and sets I, the stage. And I think it, it affected me later in who I thought was good for me and who I didn't think was good for me. Totally. So I, I tended to, I always gravitated and I still find myself sometimes gravitating towards people who are manipulative or abusive or things like that, you know, where, I mean, maybe they're not abusive, but like people who have that Aren't kind of best. personality. Right. I, and I, and I have to sit there and I have to think, you know, I have to kind of reevaluate things because I think you're, when you form that so early on, it's, it's, it's like you got to retrain your brain. Yeah. Cause I never knew if being in uh, a relationship, an abusive relationship and not getting out right away, if that had any connection with self-esteem, yeah. I have no idea. It does. Okay. Cause, cause of those patterns that form in your brain, I mean, when you're 16, a lot of 16 year old self-esteem is being figured out. Right. So but then later on in life, if you continue the pattern, that's more, is it self-esteem also involved then? Or is it more the fact that this is the way you, your brain had operated and it's just hard to change that? It's both, I think, because, and, and obviously this might be different for people who are older in an abusive relationship, but I think because I was so young and I craved his, his like approval mm -hmm. and he used that. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like, As oh, bait. maybe you should, you know, maybe you should lose a little bit of weight here or something oh, like that. Oh, stuff like that? Yeah. You know, Shit. just like things like that. And, and so, um, you crave this person's, um, when when you're doing something good, it's like Their you know, or when he's when oh, God. Yeah. right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think self esteem has so so much to do with almost everything that we do in life. Like, I mean, yeah. a lot of times the emails we'll get, I'm like, this just boils down to like your feelings about yourself and and confidence and stuff like that. Because you're not going to put up with a lot of shit if you love yourself. 
basically. Because you're like, why would I like, I would never let someone treat like my mom like this. Why am I letting someone treat me like this? Or insert person that you love there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No, it's true. In therapy has, uh, has your therapist ever kind of been like, this is the type of person that you should be with? Have they ever laid it out like that? I don't think it's so much this is the type of person you should be with. It's like, look for this kind of behavior to not be with. Oh, right. <laughs> like, um, mm. you know, uh, people who, who are, you know, manipulative behaviors that I think that it's easy. You, you can see, like when we have a girlfriend and they're like, oh, he, uh, you know, this guy that I'm seeing is doing X, Y, and Z. You're like, this guy is manipulating you. Right. It's so easy you to see. You can see it. Right. right. But when you're the person in it, you're like, you know, oh, you know. It's, it's hard. Like, Even if you try, I've tried to see it. I Because I've had friends say things about past boyfriends. And I'm like, I really don't think he's like that. And then lo and behold. It's well, hard. Emotions cloud things. They yeah, do. they really do. It's so annoying. So how what, how did the pro- uh, progression go with your first boyfriend? Like, what was what did what did it lead up to so, after the black eye and the comments about your looks? I mean, and then just kind of you know feeling for you know they, being physically kind of forced to have sex and things like that. You know, eventually we broke up, and um, I think I was. How did that happen? Did someone dump someone? Did you mutually agree? Uh, I broke up with him but um it was kind of it, it things was weren't he, good did he go haywire he did so um <laughs> understatement <Surprise>! understatement <laughs> um i i started getting um about 200 phone calls every day wow. holy fuck it would literally to your, oh your cell phone to my cell phone yeah so it would literally uh, it would ring and i would hang it up and it would just ring again and i would hang it up and it would ring again and i would hang it up and this would go on for, for 20 minutes i would get um messages on my phone um you know, telling me that I'm a, a bitch, that I need to fix things. That's always that, a good way to get someone back. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> You're a bitch. Love me. I totally felt like I wanted him after that. <laughs> We're like, oh, I'm so wet. Do uh, me now. <laughs> um, but, you know, it'd be, you know, you need to fix this. This is your problem. This is, it's the same type of thing that you saw, that I saw in the relationship, which is, it was me and not him. Right. Like never any responsibility for his own actions. It was always on me. But at the time, like I was still having problems with that because I just got out of that relationship. So, um, even when he left you those messages though, were you like, all right, buddy, you got an issue. Like, when did you realize that I mean, he was being manipulative and abusive? I think I was in denial for a very long time. I was in denial was about a very powerful, strong force. Man. I was, I was very much in denial about the severity of the situation. Um, the danger that I was in and just, in general, how explosive this individual was. Um, I think I was like, well, he loves me. He'd never do anything to me. And that's just something that you, you know, when you're dealing with someone who has, and I, I believe that he has something going on upstairs. Clearly. That needed to be helped. But when you're dealing with people like that, there, there is no like, you know, he's not going to do something because he loves me. They, they, they do things that aren't um, rational. Uh, you know, and they don't understand how it's not rational. Like I would tell him, this is not normal. This is not what people do. People don't call their exes 200 times a day mm-hmm. and and try to get them back. Oh, so those are post-breakup calls. Those are post-breakup oh, calls. Shit. So it, I probably every, every day for months I was getting 
that many calls. Yeah, I mean, like calling a bunch of times in a row is like one of the main red flags of someone who's controlling. Like if anyone's listening has a boyfriend who calls them like or a girlfriend or a girlfriend who calls them a bunch of times in a row. Unless it is a emergency, because when somebody calls me multiple times in a row that I know, (laughs) I'm like, someone's dying. Yeah, (laughs) that's an emergency. But but that's not I mean, I one of my really good friends used to have a boyfriend who would call like we would be out and he would call like 20 times until she would pick up. That's not normal. You fucking call once you leave a message and then maybe you call again if you're actually nervous like an hour later right yeah because when that's that, not normal. when i had a person that would call that would do kind of something similar like that and i didn't you know i knew him kind of while we had been hooking up but then he called me like three times in a row and immediately i was like there's no emergency i barely know the guy i'm like he's a psycho yeah he's fucking psycho mm-hmm. well at least but you figured that one out yeah <laughs> that happened later on in my 20s so i had <laughs> so i was living um at college at the time. So I was living on campus. I was in a dorm. Um, and I would hear stories of him apparently just walking around the dorm areas looking for me. Did oh he go to your college? God. Did he go? No, to- he didn't go to my college. Holy fuck. Um, he would walk around campus. He would t- call me and be like, I'm like, where are you? Um, oh, that he is- had a lot of free time. Yeah. Did he not have a job? <laughs> Jesus. He had no job or no school. What a commitment. No, he didn't. He Jesus. kind of just went off the rails. Wow. Um, so were I, his parents weird? Did you ever meet them? They, yes, they were. All right. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell yeah. you something about that too. Okay. Um, I had some friends and he, he asked around enough to find out where some of these friends were. And he actually barricaded them in their dorm room and, you know, basically said like, you need to get Ashley here to fix it. You need to get her here to fix it. Um, and you, you, you know, you need to make sure that she takes me back and things like that. And, um, and did it's, they call it's the scary. cops? Did your friend because barricade? I mean, they he basically forced he they couldn't leave their right, room right. because he was in the doorway. And yeah. then okay, so what? Did, oh my god, that is so. So psycho. they they lived across from another one of my friends who was a guy, um, and they told him about it. Um, I don't know why they didn't call the cops. They told me about it. I I think I I don't know. I actually I you know I never really asked that because when they told me about it. I was in such shock. Right. Um, a totally different priority in your brain of like, oh no. And then, and then I started to think to myself, like I'm putting my friends in danger. Like, and I started to isolate myself at that point because oh, I was, wow. once that happened, it was very much like, I, I cannot be responsible for this. Like I can't, I can't be responsible for me and everyone else. Like that, it just, it, that one, that to me started to be the turning point. That's so weird because a lot of times I feel like in a manipulative relationship, like the person is trying to isolate yeah. the other person, like through like shutting away your friends, shutting away your family. Yeah. And so it's like almost he forced you into doing it yourself. It, it was. It, I started to be very afraid of, I mean, I, that, I think that was the point in which I started to worry not only for my safety, but everyone else's who was around me. Um, did, and, you tell, did you tell anybody? So um, I, I kind of started to talk a little bit more about, I mean, my friend's didn't really know the extent of what was going on at that point. And so then I kind of had to be like, Hey guys, <laughs> this is what's going on. You got a minute. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, I, I talked to my parents about it a little bit. So I tried to stay away from the dorms. Um, and I, there was one time where I was at my home and I was at my home by myself. Mm. Um, and the, it was during kind of, I'm, you know, from a warmer area. So it was mm-hmm. warm outside. And, uh, the windows and 
and back screen the bat the sliding glass door was open it's like and a fucking horror movie like, i know i'm getting I'm so fucking like scared i'm watching right halloween right now yeah well so he comes in through the back door the sliding door and i'm like what are you doing here and he's basically saying like you need to help you need to fix this blah 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 what the fuck? and i don't even remember how so many of these things like I remember things and I don't remember the full story. So I, I apologize for not having more specifics. Well, you probably but like blacked out a little bit. A little bit. But um, so I, I got him out somehow and I like shut the sliding glass doors. And um, apparently I hadn't locked a different door. And so he got in through there. He came back and he said the same thing. And I was like, you need to get out. Did you he touch to- you at this point? Yet? No, he was... Um, he was actually pinching himself and pulling out his own hair. Ooh, all right. There's some problems. Right. So I got him out again. And I remember going through locking all the windows and locking all the doors. I I think I threatened to call the police and that's what happened. So I went and I went and took a bath and my phone was kind of like out um, in my bedroom and I took a bath and I was like, you know, just, I just wanted to kind of like wash everything off me, like relax, whatever. And I um, walk out of my bathroom in my bathtub and he was sitting on my bed. I was going to say, I was like, fucking Christ. That's a ballsier move than even I would make taking a bath. Oh my my God. God. Yeah. I was afraid to take baths and showers. Jesus Christ. Without people in the, in the house with me after that for for years. Yeah. Um, and I walked out and he had my phone and he just, you know, basically said like, you need to fix this. You need to like, take me back. You need to fix me and all of these things. And Honestly, like, I don't remember what happened after that. I, I know that the next door neighbor heard me screaming and she was going to call the police. Um, were you screaming while you were talking to him? Or yeah, was- yeah. <clears throat> I was, you know, like, basically telling him that this is not normal. You need to get out. I'm going to call the police. Like, you need to, you yeah. need to, you need to get out. You yeah. need to get the fuck out. Um, and he eventually got, um, got out. Uh, and then I left the the house. I just kind of went somewhere drove somewhere yeah. yeah but that was that was really traumatizing and no cops were called at that point and the neighbor didn't call cops yet um the neighbor might have actually called the cops but he was gone by that point so they can't really do anything yeah so what was why hadn't you at this point like filed a restraining order was was there did you still have like feelings or what no. was well, that even a thought there's a couple mind? there's a couple things that mm-hmm. happened so um before and I'll tell you about the ne- the the last the worst experience in in a moment. But um, before I used to think, you know, oh well, he's so young, you know, I don't want to ruin his life with like mm. something, you know, like he'll never be able to do, you know, certain things. Like I can't be responsible for that. And and I think there's an element of like there's still that manipulation going on, you know? Well, yeah. And that affected how you viewed things instead of like, I would be helping him by calling the cops and getting him help. It makes sense that that was your pathway of thinking. And looking back, you know, um, it was one of my biggest regrets because I think to myself, like how many other girls are put into a bad situation now because I didn't have the guts to do it. And I know you can't really think like that, but I do. Well, it's yeah. also like, yeah, yeah, but I mean, it just seems like you have a history of blaming yourself for a lot of things that are, you just not, not blame yourself that's such for, a, which I'm sure a lot of therapists have already that's told a victim, you that. That's a very big victim thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it is. It's hard when you, that's, blaming yourself is the number one thing for like sexual assault for that's yeah. how those things Dude, go unreported so many of, of the emails that we've gotten are like 
was it my, I was raped. Was it my fault? I'm like, what? And also because if society is telling us a lot of times that things are our fault and court cases sometimes go that way, that it is the woman's fault and the victim's fault. And it's like, Jesus Christ. No. Um, so let's see. Uh, has he threatened to kill you or himself at this point yet? I, he did. He did to my mom. He told my mom, he threatened to kill me. He's like, you're never your mom. You're never going to see her again or something like that. She never told me about it until years later. Verbally. Yes. What the fuck? Yeah. Did she call the cops? No, because what, like what you you didn't have that recorded. You didn't have like there. Okay, so she thought that she would be if she did call the police. Then so she I think like there should be like an her. app where you can just like give the cops a heads up, just like yeah. well, heads up app, little, little tip <laughs> and stalking and things like that. Watch this person. <laughs> what almost fifteen years ago, the laws are were different. Oh, okay, interesting. You know, this is mm, we have to. This yeah, is almost fifteen years point. ago. Um, the you know, I think people are just now becoming more aware of stalking. I was going to say, the only thing that's changing is we're talking about it. Yeah. Because it's been happening. Because it's more of like an emotional abuse because when you're stalking, like it is like physical that you're in the vicinity of the person, but you're not actually touching them. So I think people have a hard time understanding abuse that doesn't like leave some kind of a scar. Right. And it's almost worse because, you know, the the way I used to explain it to people was you feel like an animal, animal being hunted. Like on, at all times, you are looking over your back. You're looking around. You're worrying that that person is around. Yeah, your anxiety oh. must have been through the fucking roof. What a all the shitty time. way to live. Jesus. Um, so I, uh, I think it kind of really culminated. Um, it culminated. Uh, I was, I don't even remember when it was. It might have been halfway through the school year, and I was in. So my, you're 18 at this point. Yes. Okay. Um, so I was in my dorm room. Um, and it ha- it was, there was a bathroom attached to it. And fortunately my roommate was in the bathroom taking a shower. The door was closed. So you, you couldn't, couldn't know. You, you didn't really know. Right. Um, and I get a knock on my door Oh, and, <laughs> and I look out the people and I don't see anyone. And so I open the door. No. Oh God. I know I did. I did what every person <laughs> in the horror movie, like God. what they tell you not to do. <laughs> it's awful. Alan. <laughs> And I open the door and he comes running from around the corner and he pushes his way in. Oh, oh my fuck God. Fuck that noise. And he is, he's lost it. He's pulling out his hair. He's pinching himself. His head hair or his arm hair? Head hair. <laughs> I like that you went to arm hair. Well, if it was pinching, <laughs> I was I was thinking it was pinching and then taking it. But he was almost I don't like, know why I'm so curious about this, but this is very, that's so it's just, erratic. It's such a weird thing. Such it's a, a weird, weird quirk. Yeah. You got something up. Oh, to, the point, to the point where like his, arm was just full of like almost it was almost bleeding Ew. yeah and this is a horror movie jesus and, <laughs> um it's half bald bleeding dude <laughs> six three <laughs> it would have been so much easier to break up with him if right, i actually like, seen him like that that's gross <laughs> i'm out peace wow um and he um he was looking at me he's much bigger than me and he was just yelling i don't even remember the things he was yelling at me and he put his arms around my neck and he started to strangle me. Oh so he was behind God. you? He was in front of me. <clears throat> oh. He was oh, in front of fuck. me and he put his arms kind of, <clears throat> he grabbed my neck. And oh, so you got like, in a chokehold. Right, exactly. And so, <clears throat> um, and he started to strangle me. And I remember <gasps> sitting there thinking to myself, like, this is it. Could you scream while you were being strangled? No. Because that's not, probably not possible. It's hard to you're scream vocal. while you're being strangled. Yeah. yeah. Isn't no. that a bitch? Um, and, Damn. And I almost didn't even have the voice for it. Like, I, I mean, that's shocking. Well, fear and, you know, takes away. That's and honestly, I'm going to be 
100% frank with you, part of me was like, finally, it's over. It's going to be over. Mm. Right. Because this is something that you can catch them in. I mean, at the time... I was severely anorexic. I was severely bulimic. I was maybe 80 pounds. You were like ready to die. I would go to bed at night and my heart would hurt because it was like, I was so underweight and I would just kind of sit there and be like, you know what? I don't even care if I wake up the next morning because then I wouldn't have to deal with this every day. Right. Because it was literally every day I was waking up and I didn't know if I was going to die or not. I mean, and then what oh. what what are the people in your life at this time doing? Like, because I mean, like, with if you're severely underweight, that's something that people can see. Were you hiding it with clothes? Like, how were you? I mean, I think everyone knew and they were bringing it to my attention, but they also knew that I was going through this other terrible thing. And so, and no one knew, no one knew how to deal with how it. To t- how to bring uh, it up or like, I don't want to burden her. You know what? I have... There's a couple people that I that I've known that they get they lose a lot of weight and it's just a little weird. And then you hear them barfing in the bathroom and you're like, I don't know if I should say anything. I don't know. Even to this day, I I don't know. And bulimia and anorexia are are a control thing. So I was bulimic for four months after uh, a bad breakup with this guy and I didn't understand it. And then the therapist told me about control because I wasn't trying to lose weight. It wasn't about my body. No. It was, and she goes, no, it's a control thing. I yeah. was like, that makes way more sense. And now I think I understand. Right. I had, me better. I had no control over what was going on in my life at that point. Shit. Right. Everything, everything I was doing, everything, you know, and having my phone around. Day. Exactly. Everything was in my, you know, in my world controlled by him. You know, I was doing things based on him or mm. what I thought he would do or where I thought he would go or what, you know. And so the only thing I really had control over was my weight. Um, mm. And that, that was a very good anorexic person. Yeah. Yeah. I was very underweight. Um, <laughs> I was so thin. God damn. I was, I, was I thought you meant you were good at hiding it. No, but no, you were I just real good. good at being, I was just really good at being anorexic. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we all got our skills. We um, also a lot of, <laughs> uh, so, um, what happened? So he, he had, you know, he was strangling me and then, um, I think, I think, and I can't remember specifically, but some, a noise came from the bathroom and it kind of something clicked in him. Did you think you were going to die in that moment? I did. Yeah. I did. I was uh, later diagnosed with severe PTSD. No shit. Um, hmm. But. Uh, Sorry. So the roommate came out. The roommate came out and he freaked out, you know, oh, yeah. he and then um, someone heard screaming and I don't even, maybe it was me. I don't even know who was screaming. It could have been me. I I, I, I mean, if know. I was a roommate, I'd be like, oh, I would just scream. To someone get called some campus police. The campus police came over. Um, he was banned. Wah, wah. I was like, please call the real police. I got a baton, which <laughs> well, is a lot of the reason why rape cases so are not So interestingly, the well. campus police used to be um, the police for the, the local county. <clears throat> and oh, mm-hmm. he used to work with DV victims, domestic violence victims, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he after everything happened, he actually called me into his office and he's like, I'm very concerned for you. Like, this is something that I think you need to be, you need to take more seriously. Now, when campus police were called, did he flee or was he in the room? He was there. um, When campus police showed up. And I said kind of basically that he came into my room uninvited. They're like, do you want a gal? And I said, yes. Um, Any mention of the strangling? I didn't know. I just kind of was like, I didn't know. I, I almost felt like it was going to be worse. I don't know. I just I just wanted him out at that point. I didn't want to deal with anything. I was 18. I was like, I just, I, I didn't just even go know away. what to do. Right. Um, and I just, mm-hmm. I basically didn't, I was almost more afraid to say something. And they, they said that he wasn't going to be allowed on campus. And it 
turns out like, um, was he already yeah, <laughs> yeah right? i don't think he was allowed initially i didn't know if he just he like, didn't walk get, around campuses no that id um <laughs> but i later f- heard from people who were um around like living around the dorms who called apparently he'd just been walking around a lot and he'd been like outside my window looking in oh. and things like that and i these were things that I didn't know about that they thought were weird, but they didn't really know what was going on. So they, once they found this out, so then, um, maybe that's her special brother. So that, yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, so the campus police pulled me in. He, he made an appointment with me and he had worked with, um, victims of domestic violence and things like that. And he said, look, I'm very concerned for you. Like I kind of told him a little bit more of what happened. Um, and he said, I really think you need to file for a restraining order. So I went to, the police and I kind of told them what was going on. And they asked me, um, literally asked me if I, if he had broken up with me and if I was just trying to get back at him. What, what, what? Okay. How, how soon into you going to the police station did they ask you that? 10 minutes. So was that one of the first questions they asked you? Pretty much. Like Did you I mentioned like the part where he broke into your house, like a horror movie and sat like, on do, your bed? Do you have a police report? Did you, can you prove that? God damn it. No one ever takes this shit into account. Like the fact that uh, it's just so, it's and then, so and then fucked. I, and then I asked, and so I said, well, if I called the police and they're like, well, they have to catch him in the act. And I was, and I was like, well, I'll so, be dead. Right. What? No, and that's and that's what I thought. You know, I, I was like, what? So you want to wait for me to die? Let me lure him in. So then they said. <laughs> With my body. Right. So, um, <laughs> and I was like, I have like 200 phone calls. They're like, okay. What? Okay. okay. They didn't like, take that as a stalking sign? Fucking dicks. Because so, I was going to say, that's great that the campus police were proactive in encouraging you to file a report just because. Negative stories I hear all the time about campus yeah. police being like, "Shh, don't tell anyone." No, he was really, really good. It was the, it was the actual, it was police. the actual fucking. Because well, I feel like that was his specialty, and I feel like a lot of you're just kind of going into like the generic police just, a yeah, lot of times. Whatever guys at the office, and the they're desk. like, "I didn't see a gun or drugs. Like, I don't care." Right. You know. So um, they were like, "Well, if you, you know, after kind of trying." I, I felt like I had to convince them of what I was going through. You what know, after you, how did you answer that awful question that they asked you? I just, I I was, I said, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, first of all, I'm 18 and the, these are authorities. So I'm a little bit, you know, and I've never been in trouble before. Right? right. So at first I'm sitting there like, did they really just ask me that question? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, do they, am I really explaining myself? I, I just told everyone, you know, these people, the, the worst things that have happened to me. And you have a witness. Your roommate was there, at least for that, when he entered your dorm room uninvited. And they basically just, it, you know, they're like, you know, well, do you have any proof D- bring me proof? And then we can do something. And I was like, the, the, who's going to like, how am I going to get proof? Yeah. What, what do you mean by proof? Like, give me a fucking bone officer. Am I supposed to take a picture of him like outside my window, like staring at me or something? <laughs> like, what also, am I supposed to do? Like even like just, just out of protocol, like just call the guy in and question him and be like, hi. So then they said, well, you can try to get a restraining order if you want to, but she, wow. What a helpful, but you, wow. you have to go down to court. And you have to just sit there and you have to wait until the judge may or may not call your case. You might be there all day for multiple days. And I said, this is ridiculous. So he kind of seemed like he was discouraging you. Very well, much. this is a dumb process, but if you wanted to, you could, he but it might not me. work. He didn't believe me. Fuck. 
And and to be he probably has a restraining order against him. <laughs> <laughs> to be to be honest, a lot of people you know had a hard time, especially people that knew him were like, oh, he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't do that. Really? Yeah, I had a lot of people that would either I don't know if it was like they refused to believe it or it wasn't. I don't. I just don't know. But I lost a lot of friends. Like I lost a lot of friends who I would tell them, you know, like don't give out my number. I changed my number seven times. Seven times. And this these, level of crazy. Like, how can you even hide it? Didn't they notice like, oh, this guy has hair missing yeah, from his head. He's half bald. His <laughs> arms are bleeding. We're from calling him patches now. Like, <laughs> what? No, it's... The, and they, the friends that you lost, was it because they were on his side? Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah, like... You must have felt fucking insane. Did he have like an in-ground pool? Like, what <laughs> Yeah, was what was the, the catch? Like that his friend, you know, that's a commodity. I, w- I wish I knew. I... <laughs> I have no idea. It was one. It was, it was, it was, yeah, it was very difficult because these are the people that are supposed to be my friends. And, and I would be like, please don't give my number out. Like, this is something that is going on. I would kind of explain it to them. And then I would get a phone call from him and I would, I would tell them, you know, like, well, what happened? And they're like, well, he just wanted to apologize. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Horrible friends. And I'd have to change it again. What a fucking god awful friend. The AT&T people knew me. I was allowed to start picking my own number after a while. (laughs) Hey, Ashley, which one do you want this week? Come Ashley. I was like, ooh, I like this number. This one's kind of nice. Um, And I would pick different area codes. Six, 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 six. Um, Jesus. So that was, that was, how were you feeling during all this? Like your friend, I mean, that is an awful cherry on top of a shit sandwich to because be, to be honest, that's, that's part of the reason shit why shit Sunday. I realized that I was like, no one puts cherries on sandwiches. I apologize, Ashley, for the horrible metaphor. So, um, you know, I think that also is part of the reason why I didn't come forward a lot of times because people were starting to say things like, um, they, they didn't believe me. And they, and so I stopped believing that what I was going through was serious. Like I started to think like, maybe I am blowing this out of proportion. You're very dramatic, God, Ashley. Dang. That's right. one thing I noticed I, about you. Right Ashley is you. so dramatic. She like gets I choked and then complains should've about Should've gone it. to film, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Um, but yeah, no, it, I think it kind of fed into a lot of it. You know, with people not believing you, you start to think to yourself, well, I'm, maybe I am blowing this out of proportion. Maybe mm-hmm. I, maybe it isn't as bad as I think it is. Maybe what I'm seeing is something, you know, maybe I'm yeah. the crazy one. Maybe it's my fault, you know, and you start to think that way. It's you really pretty, do. I mean, when you have, especially when you have multiple people who were, you were friends with or were our friends with at the time saying that, yeah, you're going to think, oh, well, it must be me. Right. It so, must be me. So I started telling people about what was going on. And I, I remember being at my home and I got a phone call from his mom saying, why are you spreading these lies? Good God, Christ. There is whipped cream on top of the cherry on top of the shit Sunday. I just, that, that to me was very shocking. I was like, what, why are you calling me? Why? I guess calling too much runs with a family. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So we have how'd a, that bitch get your number? We have a family plan. Right? <laughs> we all call Ashley for free, unlimited. <laughs> <laughs> it's Tuesday. Call Ashley. Oh my god. It was Wow. Yeah. Oh my and god. And what did your parents know that he entered your dorm room? And that shit? Like they did. The so cops? I moved out after that. I moved out um and into uh with with a guy, actually. Um a guy roommate a, or a guy? A guy roommate. Oh, okay. Good call. I re- moved in with a guy roommate and um didn't tell anyone where I lived. 
Did you tell him what was going on? Like, hey, if this guy, I, I, he did, half he ball, knew. bleeding arms, you he, know him. He knew, yes. He did know and he was aware and he understood and he was very supportive. I was like, that's really nice of Thank him to God. be like, oh, you have, I was like, hi, I'm Ashley. I have a crazy ex-boyfriend. Right. Perfect. I'll be your bodyguard. But I pay rent on time. Right. So. <laughs> Good credit. <laughs> Give me an extra 50 bucks if he comes around. Yeah. <laughs> Just stuff um, him up a little. Yeah. No. So, um, but I didn't tell anyone where I lived. I didn't tell, give anyone my phone number. I was very isolated for a very long time oh. because I, I didn't know who was listening, who was his friend, what would happen. Right. I didn't know anything. I was off Facebook. I was off any social media for a long time. I used to black out like any um, mail I got. If I threw it in the trash, I blacked it out first because I didn't Jeez, want anyone. No, to, yeah. Um, no, I get, oh God. I damn. used to, you know, request any information that had me online um, to be taken down. Like I was, I would, I would Google myself all so the time. So that was time. your new hobby. It was, yeah. Deleting your tracks. I should have been a private investigator. <laughs> so I should have been an actress and a private investigator, apparently. Damn, oh yeah. my God. Um, but yeah, no, so I, I would, I would go online and I would see if anything could trace back to me and I would, you know, email them to get my stuff off. And I was just very vigilant about trying to make sure that there was nothing that could ever trace to where, who I was or where I was. Did you ever consider That's like actually stressful. changing your identity, like your name or? Um, I didn't. Mm-mm. No. Um, but when did I it, probably would have. Did all of this. <laughs> I'm just giving you options. You know, for Something the future. Something to look into now. <laughs> Sometimes you're Stacy. Yeah. All right. Uh, when did this, oh, when did this end? Um, it started to taper off after about eight months, nine months. Into the, from the eight months from, from like the, the start. Time from yeah. the breakup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And was there a culmination? Like, why did he finally just give up? I wish I knew. Is I've, he dead I, or alive? Um, well, he's alive because every now and then I get... Fuck. Still? And you're you're a, a lawyer. I am. Can you do anything? I mean, is there any there's, action there's you could no, take? There's no threats Because obviously you know the law, so you know... There's no threats. There's no anything. I mean, it's just every once in a while he'll reach out and say, you know, hey, how are you? And I'm like, please, please don't don't text me, don't call me, don't Facebook yeah. me, don't do anything. And then he'll be like, you stupid bitch. Like, I don't understand like why you think this is like my fault. And he just, there's just no Still. understanding. Yeah. And you're 30. I, mean, I was so like, this, this was over a decade 12 ago. years ago. Get I would say, I would say it, the dude. last time I actually had any, any like any, the last time he sent things was, was probably a few years ago. So it's been a few years now. But uh-huh. still, I mean, oh, a long time. I, mm-hmm. oh man, that guy's just out there and fucking being psycho. God damn it. That's horrifying. Yeah. And it's also like, did you ever think of like sending flowers instead of Facebooking someone? You're a stupid bitch. I feel like that would <laughs> work better. That's not how you get a girl on your side. <laughs> I don't know. Idiot. To, be, to be fair, the flowers that I would would have gotten would have been like dead or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or dipped a lot in, of dipped in like an ox. Right. Yeah. Hi, uh, Ashley. <laughs> he's so creative. <laughs> like that bit emoji. Let me love you. Or yeah. Whatever. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and now when you were in college, you were studying law. Or no. that was at, that was graduate school. That was, that was, I studied very unuseful things. <laughs> when, did, well, when did the um, eating disorders stop? That's, that was on and off for a very long time. Um, because I didn't, you know, I got therapy right after and during what was going on. But um, the, the person that I had, and I think this is something that's so important. You need to have a relatable therapist. And yeah. I just remember sitting there thinking that this person has absolutely no idea what I've ever gone through. She's sitting there telling me how I should be feeling, what I should be doing, you know, the diagnosis from a book. And she was just, 
it just, it didn't feel like she had ever experienced anything remotely related yeah. to what I had gone through. Some therapists mm-hmm. are not good. No. And, and you need to, and that therapist might've been fantastic for someone else, exactly. but you need to, you need to be able to relate to your therapist because if you're going to be trying to fix yourself and you're trying to kind of, this is a person that's giving you kind of advice or, li- you know, listening to things and kind of explaining things. You need to trust that person. Yeah. And if you don't relate to that person, you're not going to trust that person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took a lot of years for me to find someone that I started to relate to who I thought was doing, um, who had gone through something of her own. Yeah. That's gotta be super helpful. Yeah. Um, and I felt understood what it was like feeling so depressed, feeling so, because I was very depressed. Like I remember it was a very long time where I um, couldn't remember what it was like to laugh because I actually thought something was funny. I just started laughing because I, it was what you were supposed to do. Holy fuck. Like I was just so depressed. I was so unhappy. Mm -hmm. I, um, you know, I was, I didn't have eating disorders under control. I wasn't necessarily 80 pounds anymore, but I was still falling into that kind of routine of things. When things would get stressful, I would still, you know, purge. I would still. I was like, what kind of it? So you were eating and purging, binging and purging or? Yeah. Um, more just like I would eat and I would be like, I, I can't, this, the too many calories and I would purge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shit. And that was that affecting, like, I know a lot of times, like, it turns, like, the colors of your fingernails or your teeth or, like, you get, you ruin, like, your actual insides, like, yeah, I had, the acid. I had, um, I had, uh, why can't I think of it right now? Um, acid ulcers. Reflux? Oh, yeah. Oh. I had ulcers. Jesus. Okay. And, uh, <sighs> so it wasn't until later on that I actually met, um, this internist who, uh, put me on Prozac and she said Prozac actually um, helps with bulimia as well. It, oh. it actually decreases your urges to throw up. Wow. <laughs> um, and it, she, she, I mean, it not only changed my life for the better because my anxiety was down. My PTSD was so terrible. Um, but it, um, it did reduce my, my desire to do that when I thought things were out of my control. Um, yeah, that's wonderful. It um it really was the best thing that could have ever happened to me because I, when I when I had PTSD it was or when I was diagnosed um a lot of the signs you know I was um, anxious like whenever I'd get phone calls because I had gotten so many phone calls um I would get very anxious or knocks at the door would get would get yeah. me like it yeah, would put me into no a panic shit. attack. Um, I would have nightmares um, at night where people were trying to kill me. Like they had, you know, they were stabbing me or things like that. And I would almost feel like I was living it. Mm -hmm. And I'd wake up in complete sweats. Um, So there was a lot of those things. And and I was just so nervous that something was going to happen again. Like I was very, very scared about it. Um, So Prozac helped. Very much. That's fucking. It awesome. changed my life. It really did. And I'm. It makes me sad that some people still think that there's a, there's a stigma against it and that there's something wrong with it because, you know, sometimes things are out of your control. Like, yeah, your chemistry's wrong or something happened to you and you just need a little bit of help. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. It doesn't make you weak. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. It doesn't make you weak. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. I mean, it doesn't. You know, you're not a bad person for taking it. Like. There are so many people out there taking it that are afraid to admit it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and yeah. and it's, you know, and I see it too with the stuff that I do in my work. You know, people, do, they don't they don't want to admit they have something like, there's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with me. And, and it, 
Yeah. And I mean, there's something trying- wrong with everyone. Exactly. Well, but that's what makes you right. These <laughs> superheroes, but like no one is. Mm-hmm. And we all need help through some form. Yeah. And it's like, what help will help you the most? Exactly. Is it Prozac? Perfect. Here's a pill. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's good God. And, and I don't know that it's, and it's not for everyone, but yeah, it was the right thing for me. And I, yeah. and I think that, um, you know, for people that, feel like they haven't really gained control or like therapy hasn't it just gave me that extra push in therapy that made the things work better like it made the thing she was saying click and I started to believe that it wasn't my fault you know because I would hear those things but deep inside there was still that like it was almost like it was catching like I I couldn't I couldn't process it fully of course because you were probably so emotionally like beaten down by everything by by that awful person's actions by your friends betraying you by all of these by his fucking dumbass mom calling you terrible saying why are you lying about my son I mean that is 8,000 pounds of fuck and you and (sighs) you've been thinking to yourself that it's your fault for so long or that you know that you could have done something differently or you could have changed things um and you're and they're you know therapy is trying to retrain um retrain you to kind of understand what happened like what 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 is really your fault in this it's like a mental rehabilitation right that's great and you can't process it fully if you know i i couldn't process it fully mm-hmm. without b- before the prozac and what and so i would hear these things but my mind would keep going back to but this but this but this and it wasn't until the prozac came in that i started to think to my i started to be able to process it and i started to be able to say understand it like it made sense like it didn't just make sense like i actually felt it inside mm-hmm. like yeah. it was actually something That's that what was you changing needed. Right. Because that's the only way you could change. Right. And it, it, it honestly, I don't think, I mean, the therapy helped before that, but it never really worked until I started on the Prozac. Wow. Well, and are you still on great. Prozac now? I am. That's great Do to you, know that it could be such a huge help. Like, does your has your dosage changed? No. So I, um, I recently thought, you know, things were going well in my life. I'm going to see if I can go right. off. Well, you know, and I did. And, you know, no. Yeah. I'm better on it. I'm a mm-hmm. better person. I get things like, there's, you know, I just, I function better with it and I'm okay with it. Yeah. Right. That's great. How long have you been on it? Five years. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, you told us another story about, uh, you were drugged. Yes. And yes. And raped, but not so, by awful Adam. Not by uh, awful Adam. We're Alan. Alan, shit. <laughs> just that guy. When, what, what, this is another horror story that I hear very often Describe that. So I, you know, I think, and I think a lot of times things, you you start to ask yourself, like, and I ask myself this, like, why do bad things keep happening to me, right? Yeah. Um, am I putting myself in this position? And I really think a lot of times it goes back to how your relationship, like how relationships and stuff were formed in your brain. So I was, I ended up with this certain person who ended up being this terrible stalker, Right. Mm-hmm. Person. That was your first right. and, relationship. And so, you know, when I worked at this job, I became attracted to the same type of individual. Okay. And so you had a job at this point when you met. Right. I had a job and um, we would go out and, you know, have drinks. You know, people go out and have drinks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, How long ago was this, may I ask? Uh, a while ago. Yeah, a long time ago. Okay. Yeah. Um, and 
so I, you know, I would um, go out and have drinks with them after work. You know, it was a it was a bunch of us. And then I remember going out one time and having drinks and this individual was there. This guy was there and I had gone to the bathroom and I came back and I had maybe one drink and I um, had never felt as drunk as I did. And it was a In weird your life. drunk. It was a very weird drunk. How like, so? I'm just, I'm curious what the, what that feels like. Um, It was almost like I... knew that things were going on, but like, I couldn't control my, like, like I couldn't walk. So your muscles were affected. Your everything was like, yeah. And Mm -hmm. I, I was just like very dazed. I didn't really understand. Like, it was very weird. Were you in a good, I've heard that roofies make you feel euphoric, which is a mind fuck because if it was that, I don't, I don't remember that. Okay. Um, when I was roofied, I, I, for me, I would explain it as like watching a movie of yes, yourself. That's exactly it. Yeah. Mm. Like it was almost like I knew Weird. something was happening yeah. to me and it was almost like I was above seeing it. Shit. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. It's it's a very weird experience. Like I couldn't really control myself a little bit. Like I di- I didn't. Yeah, I was like, I'm doing. I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm doing this. Wow. It's, yeah. very, it's very weird. It's a yeah. very like. Is it like being uh that, <clears throat> those stories you hear about when people are awake during surgery, but you can't physically like, do anything about I it? I almost felt like I wasn't in control of my own body. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so what happens yeah. after that? So Fuck. I had I, I it was just it was. It was so different than, and I had been, you know, obviously I'd been drunk before. It was just a, such a different feeling. <laughs> I'm not a fucking prude, right? Come on, guys. Um, but it was just such a different feeling. Like I knew that I was intoxicated at some on some level, but I didn't understand it because yeah. it was a different feel than I'd ever had in any other way. Yeah. So I couldn't really walk. And he carried me back to um, his car. He took away my keys because I had pepper spray on my key ring oh. at that point because after my yeah, crazy. No shit. Um, and we went back to his place and I, um, I don't, I don't honestly remember everything that happened to be, to be honest. Like I, I mean, remember, I, rem- I remember, you know, saying no, I remember, um, oh, you do remember. So you, you had, I do. I remember saying no. Do you remember anything he said to you before he raped? No, no, I don't. Wow. So you, remember I remember, st- I remember looking down and being like, why do I not have clothes on? Mm-hmm. You know, I remember like I, I I remember getting up out of the bed and walking out completely naked mm-hmm. and just like walking out of the room and walking into um, the living room and like looking around and just trying to kind of you figure everything were, right? out. Right. Because he was he there? Yeah. He was next to you when you woke up? No. Oh, no, no, no. He wasn't there. He was like he was out in the kitchen or something. Like getting water or and beer what, or something. And getting what was the post-rape glass of water? Yeah, what was the interact the first dick. like verbal interaction that you guys had after he raped you? He said, I was like, What happened? Like he's like, Well, you wanted this. Oh my God. <sighs> and then did, did that bring to, back feelings you, from your former relationship? You previous wanted to room? come home. You wanted what? to come home with me. Oh my me. god. You were throwing yourself on me. Oh my God. And I was like, Ashley, I need to go home. And did you know? that you were raped in that moment? Um, I think I, I, I didn't want to believe it. But you, did you know um, that what he was saying wasn't true? Like, no, it, it didn't ring as bullshit when no. you heard it. Yeah. No, because you were still trying to piece it together. No, and I had a boyfriend at the time. Um, so I started to think to myself, oh my God, I cheated. Mm. Oh my God, I cheated. Oh my God. And he was, you know, he would kind of use that. He'd be like, well, if you don't want me to tell anyone. 
Right. God. Did he use a condom? I have no idea. So you didn't get a a kid or anything? No. So this is what, so I, so he drove me back to my car. I got in my car and I was still intoxicated on whatever he had given me. Oh boy. Okay. And I drove home. Mm-hmm. like that. And I don't I don't think I've ever I was so scared because I didn't know what happened to me really. Mm-hmm. I I didn't I don't I don't how would you know that the, oh, I was roofied. Like you I had no how idea. Would you know? I was still in that feeling. Like I was still I was still feeling the effects of it and I was driving and I kept thinking to myself like you know, that what did I do? What happened? Like, I couldn't figure anything out. She says, you're lucky you didn't die in a car accident on top of this. Oh, my God. And so I remember getting home and I uh, lived with my boyfriend at the time. And um, I was just like, I can't get into bed with him. I'm so dirty. Like, I'm so dirty. Did he did he try to contact you because you didn't come home that night or? Um, Yeah, I mean. I think I think I had said, you know, I'm getting drinks with people right. after work. And yeah. so he was like, OK, you know, no big. Um, and then he I think I got a call before he went to bed being like, you know, where are you? OK, but I didn't get that until much later. Right. So I um, it, it must have been 3 a.m., 4 a.m. by the time I got home. Oh, and oh OK. So it wasn't yeah, like the it's the middle morning. of the night. OK. Yeah. Jesus. And I just I I literally turned on the shower and I just sat there for like maybe an hour. Mm-hmm. I just sat in the shower sitting there. Like I, I was sitting, I was sitting down with the shower, just running on me, just trying to figure out what was going on because I had, I just, I couldn't piece it together. I didn't, I like nothing was making sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember thinking that I couldn't get into bed with him, that I was this terrible person and that I was dirty. And then I didn't, I wasn't worth it. And, um, and that was, yeah, it, I started to think that, you know, that when I went to, to work and I kind of confronted him about it, it, you know, and he was like, well, you don't remember, like, this is what you did. This is what you did. Blah, blah, mm. blah, blah. And so, and then I started to think, oh, he confronted shit. you at work. I confronted him at work. And he, uh, so he still went with the lie of you yeah. wanted it. Mm-hmm. And I started to think, holy oh my shit, God. Like, I, I, I cheated. I, this is what I did. I can't, my, my oh boyfriend my. can't ever find out. And were you still like, um, did you still think that you had just really gotten too drunk? Did you realize you were roofied or? I didn't realize that until I started talking to people who had, who had, it happened to. Yeah. Um, oh, who would, they had also been roofied. Right. So, um, not by this guy in particular. No, no, no. Middle, right? I was like, geez, <laughs> there's a support group I mean, for us. Although <laughs> I am sure Office he does guy. that to a lot of women. I'm sure he has, to, I mean. I'm sure it wasn't his first. No, it, it, I'm sure yeah. it wasn't. Oh my god! Um, but it wasn't until I kind of. It always felt weird. Like the experience was different than anything I'd ever experienced before. So I always knew that it was a little bit weird, but I couldn't place it because obviously I'd never experienced it before. Yeah, and, right. And so it wasn't until I started talking to other people about my experience and just being like, it was just so weird. Like I had like one drink and yep. and I was super drunk and I felt like this very weird sensation mm-hmm. and things and that I finally figured out that it was that but it wasn't until years later fuck mm-hmm. so yeah have you had a contact i mean but but i i just to i just want to say one thing though yeah even if you are even if you did drink too much you're that's still rape it's still rape oh yeah a hundred percent it's still rape yeah um so no matter what i no matter what i should have not should have. He I don't want to say a I'm double crime. <laughs> yeah, right. Drug, no no yeah. matter what, it wasn't my fault, e- regardless of whether it was drunk or date raped. But I think that there's this 
you know, and I started to, you know, I start, I was this person who went online and I started to, you know, look at things like, do you think that this person cheated if they, you know, were drunk and had sex or something like that? And there's such this, um, there's such this, um, this victim blaming out there that, you know, it kind of fed into everything I was thinking too. But you, you see these things online, like, oh, they're drinking too much. They're asking for it. Mm-hmm. And that's not the, that's that not, should never be that's not the said law. ever. That's not the law. It's and, not, yeah. and, and that's one of the things that got me into law too, is the one thing that really resonated with me was when I looked at what the law was and what consent was. And I realized that I was legally un like incapable of consent and it resonated with me. That was the one thing that I started to be like, okay, maybe it wasn't my fault. Maybe I'm not the one to be at blame. Maybe like this, you know, that's what really got me, um, got kind of started like flipping that switch, um, in me. Uh, it was actually one of the things that my therapist kind of brought up because she knew that I was a little bit more logical in some respects. I mean, obviously uh, most of this stuff is very emotional, but she knew that logic, logical gal. Lo- logic, <laughs> you are logic really resonated with me. And so she started using that. And that's one of the things that I really kind of um, gravitated towards was the law and how it defined things and how, a, you know, a person incapable of consent was defined and things like that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but just at that point, though, to realize to just look into the law and like just after that happened to you like that, that's that's such a beautiful way to discover your career. I mean, it's horrible that that happened, but like. Fuck, man. I I can't. Oh, I think it would make a passionate lawyer. Yeah, exactly. I bet you're the fucking greatest lawyer ever. (laughs) Seriously. What does the law say out of curiosity about what if both individuals are intoxicated and like so and then the girl says no because usually it's just a girl you know girls get we're small we get drunk so what if the girl says no but the the guy is also drunk like what is the law like that it's it's it's, it's so gray yeah it is it's i mean i i Honestly, I don't know. Well, the weird I can't th- give you an answer thing to that. is there uh-huh. are gray areas of rape, but not according to the law. And that's was because when when because you were you're, you're starting to look at intent right at that point. So was the right. person capable of forming intent? Yeah, because in your first mm, okay. ever relationship, though, you said you were forced to have sex. I mean, was that rape? Yeah, that would have been. Yeah, yeah. that's rape. You for can. Sure. I mean, I, I think so, but I don't know. It, would the law define that as rape? Like if if you say no, yes. Yeah, I was like, yeah. as soon as you say no, and the <laughs> other person keeps going, it's rape. How do they prove that you said <clears throat> no? And that's, that's the fucking that's, crazy part, right? You know, and and you see this in a lot of um, crimes that we have now. A lot of uh, the child sex abuse crimes, they don't prosecute it because it's a he said, she said. And oh god damn. There needs is is there any other way the law? That's so interesting because like a kid probably isn't saying no because they don't know what the fuck is going on. But obviously, I mean, for other legal reasons, it's, it's uh, against yes. the law because <laughs> right. a minor, it's incest. I mean, what so many reasons? Yeah, I was just like this sexual is, assault, yeah. incest, you know, yeah. etc. Jeez, yeah, no, but and 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 you know, a lot of times. Um, having someone come in and testify is so traumatizing, right? It's, it's a very hard thing to go and relive. And in front of, I wish more people understood that it, it, people don't like the Cosby bullshit, like in the, I'm just like, how do you not see, how can you criticize these women? Like what you're asking someone to, um, to talk about probably the most horrible time in their life, mm-hmm. something that they they might not even understand is not not being their fault at this point because it's probably still fresh. They might not understand like 
fully or, or have come to terms with it. And you're asking this person to share the deepest, darkest, most um, powerful emotions uh, with a bunch of strangers. And it might not work. It yeah. might not and, even. And a bunch then, of strangers and then don't want to. And be then you're going to be cross-examined by yeah. someone who's going to ask you um, various things, like, uh, "Well, isn't it true that you know you said yes, or you never said no, or?" Oh wait, huh? Shit, is that okay? I think maybe because you're. Uh, oh yeah, you just don't mess with the. Don't yeah okay. yeah. Is that a, am I good enough? Oh yeah, yeah. That's okay. Good. Um, they're asking you things, you know, like, isn't it true that you were, you know, you wanted it or you, you know, they're, they're, starting, they're trying to win their case. They're trying. Exactly. Does every rape victim in a court case have to get cross-examined? Yes. Yeah, so um, if you are testifying, then the opposing counsel has the right, right to cross-examine you because mm-hmm. they have the right to bring up any sort of biases, any sort of holes in the story, anything like that. And when you're dealing with rape, fuck off. Exactly. Prosecution. So, like, I don't can't imagine anything that they would ask to be any of any decency. You know what I mean? Like, right. Just, but if they're taking the case, they have. They have, have to. to do right. it because right. I mean, if you don't, if you don't want to fully prosecute, you shouldn't take the case. Right. Um, and so, you know, with Damn. kids, you see, you don't, you don't want to subject them to a having to retell the story and be the cross-examination. So a lot of times they don't bring things to, to yeah. court right. or they don't have the evidence to like, you know, it's beyond a reasonable doubt. Mm-hmm. So that's a very high burden of evidence. Mm-hmm. And now do you work with, you've worked with kids who have been raped. Yes. And you've worked with women who have been abused. I have, yes. And what was you were you mentioned a, cited a, a an initial case? Yeah. So one of the first cases that I ever worked on um, was this um, this individual. She um, she was coming out of an abusive relationship. She was um, getting an order a, a restraining order. Mm-hmm. She or she had gotten a restraining order. That's how she was referred. Um, and she um, she had been married to this individual for. Oh God, 20 years, you know, just in this abusive relationship. He was in law enforcement. Um, and I think he was a cop. Yeah. Fuck. And um, that's super common. The, sh- the shit bag is in law enforcement. My or acro- the military. My across the street neighbors. This is very uh, <clears throat> much like this. Um, so he I don't the the exact thing that happened that brought it in, I don't remember specifically, but I know that he had threatened at gunpoint to rape her and kill her. So we got referred the case and she wanted to file for divorce. Um, no so we were going to do the divorce. We were going to do the divorce paperwork. So she came in and we talked um, and we really connected because she felt a lot of the same things that I had felt, you know, like what could, what could I have done differently? Um, is this my fault? Should I really be leaving? Like all of these things, you know, feeling blame if any anyone you're in a relationship with threatens to rape and kill you yes you should leave the relationship okay i agree (laughs) but and but you know how hard that can be yes and so and you know and i and i we became it was it was very interesting for me to be the person who is able to say no you know, it is not your fault because I had a powerful moment. It was, it was really big. And we, we, I, I felt, I I hope she did, but I felt very connected to her at that moment because it was very much, um, we had shared experiences and even though hers, they were different. 
um, and she obviously was in a marriage and I wasn't, um, the, the feelings weren't different. The feelings mm. that she was experiencing and the concerns and just the emotions were the same. And you got to be the, the, the confidant or the friend for her, in addition to being a lawyer that you needed at that time too. Like, cause, right. cause all your friends at that time where you were in that relationship, it were- was, it was a little bit later. And, but I, I still think it was nice to have someone who under there's, you know, there's so few people <clears throat> that I've come across who understand what I went through. Um, to an extent that she did, of course. it was nice to, it was almost like bonding. It was very yeah. nice to have someone who I could almost explain my crazy feelings or like, you know, the things that I had thought before and her be like, yeah, I like, totally get it. Wow. I did that too. <laughs> what a right. nice moment. What a beautiful, like, and then it makes you not feel crazy. It does. You're like, oh, this other person thought that too. It was so nice. Right. I'm not the only one in the world. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had come up with a plan. We had come up with, you know, we had written everything up. We had everything. And I said, you know, we're not going to file until you feel comfortable. Um, because she was worried that he would do something when they were Yeah, filed. I was going to say, what's like, what, what, yeah, what is a divorce like when there's actual security concerns? We usually come up with like a safety plan for that person. So either oh, they, nice. they, they, we, we come up with a time in which you're going to divorce and there's usually, they're, they're out of the state or they're somewhere else. Oh, that's wonderful to know that that's something that, I mean, that support is given. That's what, I mean, that's what we used to do. Um, We used to come up with like a safety plan for that individual say, okay, well, you let me know when you want to file and, and we'll wait, you know, maybe a day or two and you'll be out of the state and then, you know, you'll be safe. Something like that. And, you know, things like I knew that she would never answer my phone. So I'd have to, you know, my phone call. So I would leave a message and she'd call me back. You know, Mm -hmm. this is, this is like the normal things that we did. It was just our safety planning. Yeah. Um, so she came to us maybe a month or two later. I was like, I'm ready. You know, I'm finally ready to, to file. Right. And and I said, okay, well, you know, when do you want to do it? When you're like, where are you, we have the safety plan. You're going to go out. No, no, no. I feel, I, you know, I feel good. Nothing's happened in the past couple months. Mm. I feel very good. I don't think anything's going to go wrong. I, are you sure? You know, please reconsider. No, no, no. I think that everything's going to be fine. So we file the papers um, and I get a phone call a couple of days later. Or actually, I tried calling her that day um, and I left a message and she didn't call right back. And I was like, something's a little bit off. I just, I felt- you Like know, it had been filed, you called her? I, I It okay. had been filed for, like it filed. And then this was a couple of days later, okay. I called her just to see how she was doing. Right, right, right. Um, and she almost always called me back. And I was, and I had that sinking feeling in your gut. You know, that you just know that something's wrong. And I told mm. some of the people I was working with, I was like, you know what? Something just feels off. Something just feels wrong. And um, so I had actually called him. He wasn't represented at the time. So I called him to try to set up a time that uh, to where he would be out of the house that she could come over and pick up her stuff. So I was trying to coordinate something and he didn't respond. He didn't answer. I left him a message um, and I went back to work and I just, something just didn't feel right. And I, and I, I got a phone call um, maybe 45 minutes later from another attorney saying, you know, we just wanted to make sure that you knew. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she said, we want to make sure you, you, you know, knew what was going on. And I was like, I have no idea what, I have no idea what you're talking about. And she's like, well, he came to her work and he killed her and he killed himself. Um, and I was in shock. Um, he killed her at her work. I mean, he killed her. 
He came to her work? Yeah. And then just shot himself right after that? Mm-hmm. Fuck. Yeah. Um, and, it, oh, my God. And I just remember thinking, I can't believe this is happening. Like, this this <sighs> is not real. Mm. Um, I just, it was very, it was very surreal. Um, and I was shaking. I was very... It was, it, it brought me back to a very bad place. <clears throat> of course. Shit. Um, and then I started to feel guilty. I was going to say, did you start fucking blaming yourself again? I did. Because, well, I, I mean, knew Ashley. I but but even, even if you weren't someone think, who blamed yourself. Like, I think anyone you, would. And, yeah. Natural. I, I was, I was afraid that um, her family would be, you know, like, what did you do? Yeah. Or, or something yeah. like that. It was, it couldn't have been further from the truth. Um, they ended up coming up to us later and we, they, she's her, their, her family said, you know, um, I just want you to know that you guys helped give her the best few months of her life. Oh my God. <sighs> but, it, but you know, it's, it's sad that, mm-hmm. I mean, it, that, yeah, it was uh, bad. <laughs> how you doing now, girl? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <sighs> I don't even know. Well, we have to wrap kind of soon. I won't talk to you for eight more hours. You, you, you mentioned that you are divorced. So where, where does that relationship, when did that relationship come into play? Um, so it came into play, um, a a little bit after, um, the stocking ended. And so it was a long relationship. Oh, with the, okay. Was this the guy that- How long were you actually married? Was this the guy that you had been raped? Mm Mm-hmm. But was we that the person you were seeing? Ten. Oh, okay. Was this the person you were seeing when you were raped? They raped. Yes. Okay. Okay. So you en- did you ever end up uh, end up telling him what happened? I did. Um, I did later, and um, I was so afraid of how it was going to be taken. Um, but he, you know, it wasn't it wasn't as big of a deal as I thought it was going to be. Was he you supportive? Because I think, I think he was a little bit frustrated that I didn't feel like I could tell him when it happened that I was so afraid. Um, that 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 notion is is I see that in the in the media. I see that in famous cases. And like you said, it's not about you. I know. It's like, but why would you ever say that to a? Vi- I mean, you just can't. Just when people have this thing, and I. When they can't understand something, it means that the way you handled it was dumb or raw or like. No, I mean, um, and I, I understand that it's got to be difficult for, I've only been on one side, right? Of course. Mm -hmm. And it's got to be difficult for the person on the other side who feels like, you know, there's nothing they can do to protect this person. Something terrible happened to them. There's nothing they can do to make this person feel better. There's nothing they can, you know, they, they, it happened while they right. were dating. So I, I, I do um, have some sympathy in that, you know, I, I don't know what it was like to be the person hearing that and knowing that this, you know, the person you love, this happened to the person you loved and there's nothing you could have done about it. Right. It's like a man feeling helplessness, which I think is something that men aren't really comfortable feeling very much, a lot. Very much. I don't necessarily <clears throat> think that he handled it in the best way that it could have been, but I right. don't think it was unsupportive. It just. Oh, so, yeah. Cause I could see out of love, like what the fuck? Why did, cause he just yeah. wanted you to. 
he hated that there's that happened spectrum to you. Spectrum of way, you know. There's a yeah, spectrum. I think. I think you know. And what is the proper way to handle something like right. that? Of course, we're all figuring. You it don't out. know until it happens to you, right? So, um, but yeah, no. I mean, I ended up telling it was it was a big weight lifted off um, me when I when I did eventually tell the people around me because I kept it in for a very long time. I didn't mm. tell anyone. I, the first people I told were my parents. Um, they knew something was going on. They could tell. They could see that I was really carrying some, a burden. Um, and I finally told them and they were like, it wasn't your fault. Like that was the first thing they said to me. Um, and then I would say, I probably helped to hear it did. But at that point I had been, I, I was, I had been telling myself and I had a certain way of thinking for so long that it was so hard to think anything else. Um, I would like argue with them. I was like, but, but, Mm. right, you know, And, um, it, you know, it was, it probably was, gosh, like seven months later that I told my boyfriend. So it was a long time. Yeah. And did you ever take legal action against? I didn't. I, no. Did you ever What's think about it or was there a, yeah. Limitations? Like, cause did, don't you have to get evidence within a certain amount of time, yeah. like biological, like semen I mean, well, sample. I mean, if you, if you want to be able to prove it, then you're going to need something like that. Otherwise it's going to be a circumstantial case. Mm-hmm. So. One of the things that, because I think that you telling us all these stories is going to help so many people that, you know, have been in similar situations. You're a lawyer. You work with people that you help people through these things. Two, two, quest- two of your situations. So if someone is raped mm-hmm. or they think they were raped, mm-hmm. what is the best ideal thing to do next? You can go to the police and tell them what happened and hopefully there's something on you, some sort of biological evidence or something like that. But I think- Versus a hospital? Don't go to the hospital first to get the kid? Generally, I mean, you can go to the hospital, but if you go to the police station, they'll take you to the hospital too. Okay. Sorry. That's okay. Because I was going to say, if you're you're at the hospital, wouldn't they send a police police officer to the hospital? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you could like literally yeah, go to fa- the hospital. if you've ever had a traumatic experience as with soon police, as you, can. you yeah. could go to the hospital. I mean, it, it, yeah. So okay. just go to some sort of something like that. And, and how soon do you have, how soon should you go? Obviously I understand someone not wanting to go right away. You've just been through something extremely traumatic, but if you can muster it up, how soon would you recommend? I mean, I mean, you want to go as soon as you it, can. It, yeah. You, you, because you know, evidence starts to deteriorate after time. Yeah. How many days do you, do you, do you, from a lawyer's perspective, like how many days could someone wait? Like what's the longest amount of period they could wait to go to the police or the hospital? I mean, we get people who come in weeks later and tell their story, but then they don't have anything necessarily evidence. any. Yeah. I mean, ideally you're, you're getting out of the situation as safely as possible and then going imme- yes. literally immediately yeah, to the that's station. that's pretty much yes. the option. If, if, you yes. if you can kind of just like almost like black out and like put, be like, I'll deal with these emotions in a sec right. and then yeah. just fucking go. It, I mean, in proof the, real if, quick. if you are Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah. Right. Honestly, that, yeah. That is, that is what, you know, that is the best thing to do. Is I love to, that you described it that way because that, that has got to be a very hard I mean, no one. And no How one do is. you? No, your no one, body was taken advantage. Your body was violated. You're not thinking straight. You have no idea what's going on. You're right. feeling all out of sorts. Uh, you know, very few people are just going to automatically think. No, of course. Police, right now, <laughs> I should go to the officer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and also, I think where a lot of times we hear stories about people going to the police, similar to your story, and not being believed. And I think that's that's going to be the nail in the coffin. So you're raped. 
And then you go to the someone who's supposed to help you and then they question Right. You. you know, what if like a condom was used and they can't have that? There's no biological evidence or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of different things. Or, um, you know, what if you decided like to take a shower yeah. before you went and then you've, you know, gotten rid of stuff. Right. So, uh, you know, it's and it's hard because we see this stuff a lot where, you know, when it's just someone testifying to what happened, it's very hard. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. very hard to prove it. Because the innocent until proven guilty thing can be a great thing. But in the case of sexual assault, I, man, that shit is so you don't, difficult. You don't, you don't want someone going to jail who didn't do it. But you also course, don't want. Yeah. But it, it also is such a um, he said, she said crime that it is very it can be very difficult to prove. Mm-hmm. And we get emails from people in abusive relationships like currently they are currently in emotional it. and physical and physical mm-hmm. we've gotten questions from is this an abusive relationship should i get out of it how do i get out of it and i we have no answers for these people because you can't answer that question unless you're a psychologist who has studied it or you've been through it yourself what would you say to that, to those questions. I mean, we're, you know, I know you're not the end. I'll be, you know, <laughs> but like from your, based on your experience, I feel like hearing from you, like what, what should I do? How do I recognize it's an abusive relationship? And what are the next steps to get out of it? Like that would probably be really helpful. You know, I, it's such a hard thing because everyone, everyone's experience is different, you know, totally. an emotional abuse, um, physical abuse, sexual abuse, you're going to be experiencing different things, but you're going to, there's going to be a control aspect to it. But the the hard thing is, is recognizing it. The hard thing is recognizing that there's this person, but there's, there's what's called, um, it's the, the cycle of domestic violence. It's like a wheel type thing. You can actually look it up on the internet and it's basically like a person acts and then they say they're sorry. And then they come back into your life and then they do some sort of violent action. Mm. They say they're sorry. And it's this, it's this Mm. wheel that happens, a cycle that happens. And if you're starting to notice that this person is like hitting you or saying these things to you or controlling that, you know, doing, you know, controlling your bank account, wanting to know where you are all the time. Mm. Um, those are all very, you know, those are signs of a, a manipulative or controlling person. If, yeah. if they're, um, you know, getting angry, violent, things like that. And then they come back and they're like, I'm so sorry, I'm never going to do this again. Like, I don't know what happened. Like, that's a sign that this person is, um, manipulating you. They're trying to get back into your good, your good graces so they can do it again. And if you, if they start to kind of put it on you, put the blame on you, like, well, you did this, well, you did this, you know, not being able to accept responsibility. That's another thing that you need to start look looking at, um, and thinking to yourself, this person is trying to manipulate me. They're trying, they, they are making it. So it's my fault so that I, I feel like I'm indebted to this person, or I'm like grateful that this person's not leaving me. Like, how could anyone love me? But. Yeah. And do you think if you were so at 16 before you met that first boyfriend, if you were, were abusive relationships, something that were you've talked about in school for your parents in the media, like, did you have any idea uh, about abusive relationships before you got in? One? I mean, I guess I knew they existed, but I didn't really know anything about it. You know, I didn't know what to look for. Because goddamn know. police officers in school, when we're in middle school, they tell us about drugs. Yeah. They tell us about weed and cocaine <laughs> and heroin and not no one. I'm, I'm like sure. meth, like three people are going to do that. Yeah. You know, like, a lot more people are going to be in bad relationships. One out of 20 of us is going to do that. But we don't fucking cover consent, the signs of an abusive. They're not nothing. It's not covered. No. And I think, you know, the good thing is, is that just even within these past, what, 10, five years, this kind of stuff is becoming more and more 
um, common. I think that people are starting to understand it more. I think it's starting to be talked about more. I think there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. Hell yeah. Um, I think there's still a lot of discussions that need to be had. I think that people need to stop, um, feeling afraid of what they went through and not to say, I don't want to, I don't want anyone out there thinking that, um, you went through something and you can't talk about it and, and you're, you know, bad or anything in, in, in something. But I also think that, you know, there isn't anything wrong with what happened to you. You know, there's nothing to be ashamed of. There's nothing to be, um, afraid of. There's nothing to be scared about or to feel bad about or anything like that. It happened to you and you are the person you are now because of it. And that's what I try to tell myself. Like I tried to make meaning come from what I did. Um, and I try to talk about it now because I want people to learn from what, what happened to me. Yeah. Um, and you can't, after, after a while, if people keep speaking out, you can't ignore thousands and thousands of voices. You know, when, when people start, you know, make people take responsibility for their actions, Mm. you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, and I think, you know, there's this, you know, for, for so long it was, you know, boys will be boys. Still, still, I just bought that. a shirt that said boys will be boys and the second boys is crossed out and it says held accountable. And I'm really <laughs> proud of that. that shirt. Is and I love it. That's and I so agree. good. Thanks, Olivia. That's so good. Oh, from feminist, <laughs> from yes. feminist apparel. apparel. We'll give them a shout out. They're great. Feminist apparel. Yeah. But no, I mean, absolutely. Because when I saw that shirt, I was like, oh, finally, someone in a f- I, I, I make fun of T-shirts all the time. But I was like, finally, someone in a T-shirt wrapped up an idea that I've been thinking for a real fucking long time. Right. Yeah. So thank you. I mean, it's you know it's that thought that like oh well girls wore that so they must have wanted sex or something but the boys were just drinking like they, you know how they are they get they they just do those things it's like no that's not that's not okay well, Did you yeah, watch- like, boys can't control their penis or something I'm like yeah, I know a lot of boys who can that's a little insulting to men and boys <laughs> like, I know a lot of people who can yeah and but people still fucking say that I watched the, we talked about it the Audrey and Daisy documentary is about rape and this police officer that handled the case at first I was on his side I was like look he's getting evidence he's interviewing people four hours after it was reported and then at, by the end i wanted to fucking kill this guy because he's filmmaking made you feel both ways oh the same character <laughs> absolutely great documentary but he was basically saying you know these boys are just trying to move on with their lives and it's these girls that won't let them forget it they're trying to get justice you fucked heart like Oh my God. I can't believe people still say boys will be boys, let alone a fucking law enforcement. Oh my God. And I, and I do want (laughs) to say that I do work with law enforcement and I have worked with, you know, with military people and there are a lot of really fantastic people out there. Um, I would say most are and the shitty ones get the spotlight and that sucks. I think that's very true. I think, um, you know, people are very afraid to go to the police, but a lot of times, um, the biggest advocates that I've seen are these police officers. You know, they come in and they testify and they um, they are the ones who want justice yeah. more than anyone else. Like they are the ones who are outraged by what had happened. They are the ones who are, you know, sitting there advocating for these people that came in and told them their story, whatever happened, whether it be a, a sex crime or something like that. Um, and so I have come across some really, really fantastic police officers who are um, just going above and beyond what they need to be doing. Um, and so I, I think, um, I mean, I, I'm, 
I know that people out there have probably gone and have experienced the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. But I mean, my my advice and obviously like I experienced the complete opposite, but I still would say, you know, your best chance is to go and tell someone to tell the authorities to, you know, the worst thing for me, I always regretted you know, not going and doing more and pursuing more because I think it would have given me a sense of like um, justice or a a sense of like, you know, control. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, so I always tell people, you know, before they go to testify, you know, a lot of them don't want to. And I said, this is your time. This is your time to get out, you know, to do everything that you can do for yourself. Mm-hmm. This is your time to to get everything out to tell to tell someone um and to take control of what happened. And there's something very empowering about doing that regardless of, you know, what what happens. There's something very empowering about standing up for yourself, about telling your story, about advocating for yourself. Yeah. Um and it's it's something that I always wish that I did more of and it's something that I always really try to promote um, girls or even boy, you know, men out there who are victims to, to do as well, because there's, you know, there's a lot of men, male victims. There are. I learned. And it's like, and then once it's explained like, oh, the masculinity bullshit that gets put on men. So they're, they're admitting, even if this isn't the reason, but like admitting that you were raped as a male is, is kind of, uh, putting a dagger in your masculinity. Right. So why would I talk want- about things that aren't discussed very yeah. much? That's something that's Jesus. not discussed very You're like, much. Oh wow. Am I gay now? Yeah. Right. I can't believe how many men we've heard from that have been raped. Well, and I'm also like, fuck this happens way more. So often. like, if you go to like TGI Fridays and you like your waiter, you can ask for a different waiter. If you go and report your case to a police officer, whatever police officer, <laughs> like, where's this? Can guy? you ask for another police? I, and there's a lot of vocations that you can ask for someone. Like, can you say, I want to speak to somebody else? I mean, you can. Right. I, I didn't know if like legally, like, cause you know, there's, there's different professions where you can say, I want somebody else. And a lot of times if you're, if you're somewhere good, they will, they will put you with someone that you're comfortable with. You oh, that's know? nice. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of fear between just like the common person and law enforcement, but it's like they're they're spo- supposed, you know, supposed to be working for the good of the community. So like if you're right. not fucking comfortable, if you don't think this person, if something in your brain is saying, eh, this is, uh, this doesn't seem like a good police officer, like you can go to another precinct if you're in a bigger place that has like, mo- like I could walk 10 blocks here and go to a different right. precinct. Yeah. But I mean, everyone doesn't have that, that yeah, luxury. That's, yeah. I'm just swimming in precincts. Like Starbucks <laughs> on every corner. <laughs> but you know, you know, there's somebody else or, you know, I, I would imagine like you can ask for like a female if you feel more comfortable. Like yeah. at a, a, a hospital, you can certainly do that. Right. No, I and I, and I think that you should if you don't feel comfortable. Yeah. I mean, this is your story. This is your, this is your time to get, you know, to get justice. This is your time. This is like, this is you taking control of things. There's what, what do you have to lose by asking? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to wrap with, and then obviously, and then tell whatever, if you, there's anything else you want to say or talk about, you (laughs) fucking have the mic. One of the things when I first heard about you, Mm -hmm. this is so fascinating to me. And it is a reminder that you don't know what anybody is going. You have no fucking idea what people go through. Um, I know you because one of my close friends works with you, but when you guys work together and then she moved to a different job and she moved back to this job, Mm -hmm. 
she was like, Ashley is such a bitch. She's such a bitch to me. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, Ashley is such a bitch. Why is she a bitch to you? And like, it didn't go any further than that. Like that moment that we were talking about. To be and fair, then, I was kind of a bitch. And then right. we took out our Ashley voodoo doll and showed it to you. <laughs> Let's stab it. No, but so, and it's I had like this- ripped with like stuffing coming out of it. <laughs> Jesus, I've had a headache for weeks. Now I know why. Oh my Those gosh. Tire marks? Gosh. Um, and, but that was all I knew of you. So, so I met this friend a couple days ago for a drink and mm-hmm. she's like, oh, I was with Ashley. I'm like, the bitch <laughs> kind of, you know, just cause the, is that the girl I remember? So we call you yeah. on the streets. And, and then she <laughs> told me about this amazing conversation you guys had where you just was like, Hey, this is my, this is my past. And this mm-hmm. is, and then, and then you like gave her critiques on how she comes across. Cause, and you were, abs- you're absolutely right. Uh, <laughs> I love her. She's by, but that's great. But it's, it's amazing. I love getting critiques about how I act yeah. professionally or, I mean, it just helps. It makes absolutely. more self-aware. But I can't like, she told me all this and I was like, fuck that. You don't know. No, you don't know. It's true. We, we, um, we had both been going through some difficult times the first time that we were working together. Um, and the way that she reacted and the way I reacted were two very polar opposite reactions. (laughs) She became very much a stress ball, a little bit more kind of like you know, talked about, you know, was a little bit more like out there with it. Right. And I, and, and to me, I, um, just wanted to let the, like, I wanted to bury things. Right. <laughs> of course. Yeah. I wanted to bury things. I wanted to God, move on. One more thing you want to deal with is a, a girl at work. Like, and I, ugh. and, and we, we just did not, we just did didn't not. No, we didn't. Yeah. It was, and I told her uh, when we were sitting there talking, I was like, you know, honestly, I don't think we even had a chance. Like, I don't think we either of us really had a chance to ever really become friends that first time around because no. we were so, um, we were both going through difficult things and we were both such in, in positions that Against like each other. the other person was just so polar opposite from what we were, right. that there was just never a chance for us. Right. And the person that you saw, like, I know her to be like the most kind-hearted, intelligent, right. like she's a fucking super superhero in my eyes this woman is and and she's fantastic but, attorney oh my god she's never lost a case she's fantastic like, oh, well you're oh yeah she's, no, she, <laughs> she's, she's just one of the most amazing humans i've ever met but then you didn't know anything about her and so you thought something and then i thought like ash is a bitch because mm-hmm. one time she was a bitch to my friend but like fuck me you know what i mean like that doesn't mean anything but well, to be fair i think that i don't think i was the best person to her and i i probably think that she wasn't always the best person exactly. to me too of course um yeah. but um and i don't think that either of us ever helped each other with the way that we reacted to things i think right. it, it you know one thing kind of pisses you off and then you hold that and then everything yep. you see is like oh this person was like this before they're so terrible yeah but, you know and it's and it kind of you know and especially when you're going through something like you're not thinking rationally um and you it just kind of blows into this big huge you know out of I proportion hate her thing. I hate her yeah and you don't even totally. know why and it happens honestly like, yeah I think <laughs> it happened to me with other women that I'm like why we do were, I fucking hate her we were talking about it and you know, she and and I said, you know, I, I think I thought I felt like you were rude to people. And she was like, but it was so disproportionate. And I was like, I don't even know. Yeah, right. Um, right. It's such a beautiful reminder, though, that you don't know what people are, what people, what people's yeah. lives are, what. And, and, and I try to remind myself of this all the time in day to day interactions all the time, as much as I can of like if someone like fucking was an asshole to me on the street his mom could have just died or right. his, you know what I mean? Like, I right. don't, and it's not making excuses. It's just like, you don't know what no. that person's and, deal is. And, and it could be a huge piece of shit. And I don't necessarily think that my behavior was warranted. <laughs> I mean, I get it. 
Um, oh, there, there we go. Um, I, I don't think that, um, but I also think that, you know, maybe if she had taken the time to sit down and ask me about my story, if I had taken the time to sit down and ask her about her story, that maybe it would have changed things a little bit. Maybe not. Maybe we yeah. were such, both in such terrible places in our life that we were just not even, a, like that wouldn't have even right. changed anything. But I love but the, that you did. But the good thing is, is that um, we're both, I mean, I I can see she's happier now. Yeah. Like she looks, she's a lot happier. She's, uh, you know, just in a better place. Yeah. And so am I. Um, yeah. And so both of us, I think, you know, it took us both getting to like a better place and then kind of, you know, just wanting to bury the hatchet and, you know, being like, this is stupid. Like, yeah. what are we doing? <laughs> right. Um, to, to sit down and then we, we were, and then we were able to kind of have a very honest conversation. I, I would give her credit, you know, that we were able, she kind of brought it up. She just Full she, on. She, she just, just brought it up. I love that about her. I was like, all right, we're doing this right now. <laughs> <laughs> I've got two glasses of wine and I am ready. Let's go. But it was good because, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know that. I don't even know that if at the time when we were kind of, you know, bitchy to each other, if I would have been open to hearing the critiques yeah. that she had to say about me. And I don't know that she would have been open to the critiques that I had to say about her. But we were both in a place that now we are able to. And it's really nice. It's That's nice. Such a beautiful. And then I was like, she said. I think she would do the podcast. Here's her number. Yeah. And now you're here. <laughs> I am here. And you probably helped the show two days later. <laughs> yeah. And so what? it's amazing how things like turn out in life. I know. Right. <laughs> no, it really, I, I think that to I myself think all the time, I do too. Like I, I start to think like, well, if this hadn't happened to me or if this, you know, then I wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be yeah. doing this. And, and it's, you know, it's, you start to have like purpose in things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that kind of answered the question. I was just going to say, what's, so I was like, we, what's, is there, what, if any, is the bright side to all of this? Like, that how is are a- you now? Have you been in a healthy relationship? I mean, I'm still dating. Same. If any single guys out there. Okay. Um, <laughs> Dude. And you're, you're a beautiful, oh, thank smart, you. Fucking um, the your career field one of the most so spoken guests. Yes, the, absolutely. And Not, a lot of these people are like comedians and they talk for a living. <laughs> you well, are you amazing. talk for a living too. You do, I do. <laughs> but just like um, the logic in you and the and the tenacity and the you're heroic. I mean, you, you are I, a strong fucking woman. I think the best thing that could have happened to me is I I have been blessed with meeting amazing people like this friend that yeah, we have in common. She's the best. I have a, I, a, who are um, now in my life, very supportive, very understanding, very, you know, they, they are very, um, they, they understand what I, what happened and they don't blame me. And, and, and the thing is for me is having that now is just, is so nice. I have these great girlfriends in my life that I have, I didn't really have beforehand, um, that I've shared these experiences with who, uh, who very, who were very, you know, they're empowering to me, but That's I think so the biggest important. thing to me, and it's why I kind of do what I do is I feel like I have any, a unique ability to understand what the victim feels like. Yeah. Um, so when someone comes to testify, I can relate to them. When someone comes in and they're worried, they're scared, they, you know, there's there's a and piece of me that them. can relate to them. And I think that that's my biggest asset to what I do. Um, and it, it kind of gives me a little bit of a, a level of empathy that I think, you know, I'm not saying that lawyer, uh, you know, other lawyers out there don't don't have that. But I think when you really, truly understand what someone's going through and you, when you really, truly understand kind of the emotions and the the conflict that they're going through internally, um, you have a better understanding of how to kind of help them. Yeah. I mean, that would be serve as fuel to bring them to justice, bring right. the people who did this to them to justice. And I think that's the biggest thing for me is, number one, I 
know that I can make it through anything. Yeah. You know, you that, can, that, man. that's the one thing that I think is huge is, you know, I might fall and, you know, fall on my face and, you know, screw up, but I will make it, you know, yeah. I will, I will make it through because I know that I'm strong enough to do that. That's huge. That's been huge for me. Um, and I think just feeling like I have some sort of, um, understanding of what these people are going through, um, has also made what I do, I think important to me. Um, and yeah, it's given me purpose. Well, Nothing we can add to that. Nope. <laughs> Thank you very much, Ashley. Thank you, Ashley. Thank we're, you. You're amazing. I would say where we can find you, but we can't. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening. This has been Guys We Fucked, the anti-slut shaming podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Constant changing of the season suddenly occurred to me that I am moving in constant. That I am moving in constant. Said the blood that pulses through my veins, producing a new kind of pain. And as my veins begin to squeeze, I feel you coming over me. And I am moving in constant And I am moving in constant Cause I got so much to figure out Said the more I learn, the more I doubt I'll find any answers To satisfy my soul and mind Am I gonna realize that maybe it's not what I